All right. Good morning, class. Welcome to Art Eater Podcast number 49. So we got a very exciting show for you today. I can, I can feel it. This is going to be epic. Uh, we're we're going to be discussing Elden Ring, uh, one, of, one of the biggest game releases uh, coming up. And um, yeah, super excited. To, to talk about this, um, so we'll be we'll be taking a deep dive into uh, the the uh, what we can piece together about the lore, and the story, and the themes, and the art direction, all the mythic allusions, the callouts to real life, you know, mythology and cultures there, and then also um, Adam uh, is with us today, and he's actually played through the beta, so we'll we'll give, give some firsthand impressions of the game, and he'll be answering uh, lots of questions about it that too. So um, uh, before we get right into it, uh, I, I'd just like to do a quick round of intros. So um, I'm your host, Richmond. I'm the founder of Art Eater. Uh, I also run an indie game dev and art outsourcing studio called BitEgg. And I live and breathe art. And I'm just super excited to be here today with uh, you know everyone else who, who, who feels the same way, the same love for this stuff. Uh, so with me here is uh, Sean. Hey, I'm Sean. I am usually here. I edit the podcasts. Uh, been working or in supporting uh richmond on our reader for a while we used to work together and stuff um anyway i'm a creative director ui ux designer currently uh vp of design at nzxt we are a pc gaming company so yeah awesome ha happy to have you here also with us is adam Yo, what's up, everybody? It's uh, your boy Adam, uh, also AJ. I'm a game level designer, pixel artist, and also international taekwondo fighter. And uh, yeah, I'm hyped to be here once again. It's going to be a real fun time. Uh, I'm going to try and bring a little bit of uh, the experience that I had with the game to the actual podcast, as Richmond said. I had the pleasure of being involved with the closed network test, and it was really fun. So uh, yeah, I'm just really happy to be here. Let's go get it. It should be good. Yes. All right. Um, and also with us, a special treat is uh, Professor Andy, you know, uh, one of the original uh, members of Art Eater. Hello, I'm Andy. I uh, teach and consult on game design and storytelling. And uh, lately I've been doing more kendo, uh, getting into epee fencing and uh, tatami mat cutting. Whoa, okay. I, I, I have a feeling some of that experience will be relevant to the uh, conversation today. Absolutely. I'll have all the poise. He's, he's like biking. He's just ready with the mats. He's just prepared. Like, we, we know it's all good. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. But uh, so let's let's dive into it. Um, first, let, let me give you some context. So so first, I think we'll, we'll discuss the lore and stuff before we get into the meat of the gameplay. Um, so... Just to tell you guys where I'm coming from, like I, I'm, I'm super excited about this game, and um, typically when I get really excited for a game, I actually kind of like go on a media blackout. I try, try to avoid as much information as I can. So um, actually, all all I've seen is that trailer that they dropped in June. Uh, I, I haven't been reading about the um, about the beta test. I haven't actually even read any new press releases from. You know, from 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 software, um, I I haven't read much about. Um, I haven't really read anything about them specifically talking about the game lore, uh, but I have spent countless hours um, discussing, diving into the uh, the trailer that they released with Andy. Uh, we we were actually um, originally I was I was trying to get like a like a a video out. Uh, I was planning on putting together a video, but I don't actually know how to edit video. <laughs> So I, um, and then uh, so I, I've just got this huge info dump for everyone because I've I've spent probably like 
like literally like weeks months at this point like diving into this trailer and not not even done with it yet and the the beta is already up but uh, we got so much so much to hey, discuss hey, richmond i have an important point yeah i i know how to edit video that is all oh okay wow. <laughs> actually that that would that'd be awesome if our, if our powers combines <laughs> maybe okay Okay. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, so, and Andy, uh, was helping me with this too. We, we've had a lot of discussions about this game. So first, um, before we get into the gameplay, let's, let's talk about what we can piece together of the, uh, the, the story and the, um, setting and of course the, the call outs to real life, uh, mythology and cultures. Okay. So, so to me, um, the first thing that's, uh, I mean, okay. So, uh, some quick context for the game. Um, uh, does does someone maybe want to like summarize what the game is on the on the off chance that anyone is listening to this and they're not totally clear on what Elden Ring is and you know I I can at least tell okay, you what it, it is I can well, I'm gonna let Adam do it but I'll tell you what it is not because I've seen it a few times uh, George R R Martin was involved and in an interview he called it a sequel to Dark Souls it is not a mm-hmm. sequel to Dark Souls yes okay at least and... not not in in the sense that you would use that term okay. yeah yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, so check this out. So yeah, Elden Ring, um, as well, well mentioned by uh, by Sean here, uh, it is something that was helped. Uh, sorry, that George R. R. Martin helped write uh, uh, many uh, years ago. He's spoken about this in numerous interviews. But it's a game that is going to be coming out uh, next year. Uh, uh, I think February twenty fifth, I believe, twenty twenty two. But yeah, uh, basically, uh, the story of Elden Ring itself was written by Hidetaka Miyazaki and his team at From Software. And like the lore and like the story of Elden Ring, like they're told in a similar manner to other From Software Souls games. So what do we mean by Souls games? Um, typically, we're thinking about other games such as you know like the the actual Dark Souls like series. So like you know Dark Souls one, two, and three, and then of course like Bloodborne as well. And then obviously with lots of people, oh, yeah, February twenty two, exactly, yeah, February twenty, February twenty fifth, twenty twenty two is the release date there. But yeah, so um, what is this game? What is this game? This is a game full of lots of action, full of some absolutely beautiful sweeping environments, and it's just, yeah, it, it's such a such a delight to to walk around in. But it has some really interesting sort of a prologue text as well. I have a, a couple of excerpts of it. I just want to read out just quickly, but uh, I'll just have one. There's a gameplay sort of trailer transcript here. It's got a, the, the, the tarnish will soon return, uh, guided by grace once lost. The golden order is broken to its core, foul tarnished in search of the Elden Ring. Emboldened by the flame of ambition, someone must extinguish thy flame. They will fight and they will die in an unending curse. For how else is a champion or a lord to be born? Well, a lowly tarnished, playing as a lord, I command thee, kneel, brandish the Elden Ring for all of us. So it's already set quite a lot of different themes here, just regarding, you know, uh, a sort of uh, an oppressive like class looking at other people as, you know, tarnished, speaking to them as lowly, speaking of, you know, uh, champions and lords, and also just absolutely stating that this is a story about a uh, transgression of hierarchy. And making sure that you know speaking about something such as a, a golden order as it's so explicitly stated here this uh this order being broken this this ring being uh, crushed and broken and that changing the, uh, the the physical world itself it's really something which i think is going to be played upon in really interesting ways i think that this story is going to have a lot of different cool descriptive 
uh, references towards like things which we actually see in the real world regarding like people's um, positions regarding like class, for example, or their regard their their uh, positions regarding other you know general structures and hierarchies that have existed and that do exist in our world. But yeah, um, there are in these uh, in in these places called uh, called the lands basically. Uh, this order, this uh, golden order that I mentioned, has been broken, right. and uh, the tarnished are a group of people who uh, kind of. They're trying to rise in a sense, or they're being told to rise, and they've got to try and brandish this power of this thing called the Elden Ring, and try and become a, an Elden Lord in this place called the Lands Between, which uh, which which is where this uh, this story takes place. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Th thanks for that description. Um, okay. So I I uh, I just want to get into. So I I haven't played uh, the demo at all. Um, and I, I haven't read up on uh, you know like any, any of the press releases they put out or any any of the uh, uh, analysis that other other people have done. So all I'm going off of is that trailer from June. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely definitely picked up on the theme of uh, class conflict, uh, w w which is consistent in pretty much all of the um, uh, from softwares games. But uh, but I feel like it's it's really really front and center uh, in this one. Um, and then just um, okay, I, I, I guess to, for for me, uh, the the big things that stood out to me are um, so uh, one. Uh, I think Elden Ring uh, draws heavily from uh, Norse mythology, uh, mythology specifically, in in a lot of the the art direction, the the uh, cosmology and stuff. Um, and then uh, related to that. Uh, but I, I think the gameplay is probably going to center around uh, collecting runes, which are a big part of uh, Norse mythology. And and you you see uh, this play out in the trailer, and probably I'm sure in the uh, I'm guessing in 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 the the beta. Um, and then of course you know like as AJ has already uh, said, like uh, this this class conflict, right? This this idea of the the lords versus the uh, the tarnished. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, and then, and then some imagery I think to to watch out for, uh, that that uh, is pretty consistent, right? Uh, there, there's of course it's called Elden Ring. There's a lot of imagery of rings of uh, different types, lots of circular imagery, and then there's a lot of like a uh, gold uh, imagery, uh, which ties into North mythology. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, you know, gold pertaining to like representing life and power, and then there's a you know the world tree that really sticks out, and and just uh, imagery of like pillars throughout. Um, and then uh, also uh, a lot of uh, gallows and hanged figures, which ties into North mythology and the world tree. We'll get into that. And also runes. And uh, just this idea of like uh, the, the game sense seems to be about ascending. There's a lot of ascending movement. It's all about like moving upward, right? Because you, you are the lowly tarnished and you're coming for the lords, you know, these, these people like way up above you. Uh, and, and a lot of hand, hand imagery too. Um, all right, all right. Uh, so, um, oh man, <laughs> do you guys mind if I just do like a big info dump? Because I've, I've, yeah, I've let's been go for it. Yeah, to, go for okay, it. Go okay. for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, okay, in the trailer, right? So the 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 very first thing you saw in the June trailer, uh, which was the the first significant trailer where they started, they really gave you a good look at the game, the themes. The very first thing you see is actually a ring of the uh, and a hand. It's a horse. Uh, uh, there's a hand on the ground, 
and there's a horse uh, kind of sniffing at it, and you see a ring on the horse, and it's the reins, right? And so, um, you know, the ring there is the reins, right? So immediately, the first ring imagery is this thing that reigns in this work animal, right? And it's sniffing at you, and you're uh, presumably the tarnished. I'm guessing, you know, that that's the player character, the tarnished. They are uh, beneath uh, this work animal, right? And then, um, so, you know, rings, Elden Ring, uh, the, the title itself, uh, of course, recalls uh, Lord of the Rings, right? This idea of one ring to rule them all. Uh, of course, like Lord of the Rings is super influential on Western fantasy. Uh, it, it's, it's, you can't escape its influence if you do any modern high fantasy. Well, yeah, in the movies, one of the most influential books. But uh, Lord of the Rings itself, uh, was hugely inspired by by uh, Norse mythology uh, and specifically uh, Icelandic uh, mythology. Um, it has a lot in common with uh, the uh, uh, Wagner's uh, opera, the the Ring Cycle, the uh, Ring des Nibelungen, uh, which is you know uh, these these really famous uh, operas, uh, uh, which were also based on North mythology about a ring that grants the wear the wielder the power to rule the entire world, um, and. Uh, a lot of parallels to the Lord of the Rings, though. Tolkien actually said he was not influenced by um, those by the opera. It, rather, he was influenced by the same stuff, uh, which was the uh, Norse myths and the uh, the Edas uh, that influenced Wagner as well. And um, and I, I you know I, I think that's not Tolkien just saying like oh no like uh, uh, you know I, it wasn't this popular thing. I, I think it's true because um, he actually he had a an au pair for his kids. Uh, from from Iceland, uh, uh, her name was uh, I, I'm not going to be able to pr pronounce this correctly, but uh, it, it, it's a uh, this is my attempt to pronounce her her name. It's, I don't know pair. Her name was uh, Ard uh, Arndis uh, Porjarn, her daughter, um, and uh, you know she was she was the nanny for his kids, and uh, she was really uh, she knew a lot about Icelandic folklore, and of course uh, Tolkien being a a, a, a myth. You know, otaku. He, he loved uh, mythology from all over the world. He he learned he learned as much as he could uh, from her about Icelandic mythology, to the point where um, he he even, uh, you know, this guy was super educated. He taught himself how to read like uh, ancient Icelandic so that he could read the the poetic Edas um, in in their, you know, original form. Uh, I think he got C.S. Lewis in on that too. They, their whole group very foundational to um, uh, you know, Western fantasy. But um, yeah, so so definitely just the title alone, like Elden Ring, you know, um, it, it, it's I think it's a pretty clear call out to um, uh, the, the existing Nordic mythology where, where you know, there is this concept of like a ring that if you possess it, you can you can rule the world. And, and immediately um, in, in this trailer, like uh, you, the, the second ring you see is a literal ring on the hand of a, a maiden on top of the horse. And of course, like um, in all of the Souls games, there's always like a maiden uh, uh, guiding you uh, through the games, right? And uh, you know, so in this case, you actually see a ring on her ring finger, uh, kind of on 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 her uh, right hand. This kind of denotes marriage, um, and this is also the hand gripping the reins, right? And um, yeah, and then she she gets off from off the horse, and you know, she starts talking about it, the tarnish shall soon return, and um, you know, that's the first time you hear about the tarnished, right? Like, so uh, tarnished, it means, um, you know, when, when something loses its luster or gets dulled, 
right? Uh, in in a literal sense, and then the 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 social meaning is like if if uh, something has lost its social standing, its social value and respect, right? So, um, again, uh, the uh, that ties to the class themes, but also like this is something uh, persistent in all the Souls games, right? The uh, the all the Souls likes. Um, th there's uh, you know going hollow. Right in past games, or there's there's like a Dragon Rod and Sekiro. So in all these games, there's this idea of uh, uh, well, spiritual decay uh, manifesting as like actual physical decay, right? Um, my goodness. And then uh, you know she talks about uh, the tarnished will soon return, uh, guided by grace, right? And then grace, uh, grace means like uh, divine will. Right, um, acting in accordance with grace, in accordance with divine will, uh, typically, is what will uh, bring you salvation. Right, in in a lot of belief systems, and she talks about grace lost. Right, so of course, uh, losing grace is a huge theme in all these games, and also a huge theme in uh, just different belief systems all over the world. Right, like in in Christianity, of course, you have um, you know Satan leading a rebellion against God, and the angels falling from grace. And then uh, before that, you have the uh, Ashuras versus the Devas from the Vedic mythology. And uh, that uh, probably influenced the uh, Nordic belief of the uh, Aesir versus the Vanir, right? Um, and then uh, when she says guided by grace once lost, you see the, the, the world tree, right? So um, th this is a, a, a really central imagery um, for, for this game. And uh, I, I think the most uh, obvious example that you could point to um, that is probably referencing is uh, Yggdrasil, the world tree uh, from Nordic mythology, which is this giant ash tree that, uh, that, that connects all the different realms. Um, and uh, of course, there's, there's lots of different world trees and different belief systems. And um, I, I think I'll let uh, maybe, I need to let someone else talk. I'm going on too long. Maybe Andy, you wanna, you wanna comment on Yggdrasil and just how world trees pop up in different mythologies and how that's uh, influenced different games and stuff? Yeah. Um, so I think uh, like in the U.S. in an English-speaking world, or most of the world really, uh, when you hear a world tree, you'd think, oh, it must be, uh, you know, something Nordic or, you know, Vikings. But uh, world trees do or at least a a holy tree, not necessarily a tree that holds up the entire world. It shows up in a lot of uh, different times and places in the world. So um, one of the examples is uh, Fusang, which is uh, from the chopsticks using part of the world, ancient, ancient China spreading elsewhere. The imagery of uh, this tree might be a tree of life. It's very vague. Um, that grows somewhere far away and then the the sun roosts in there the sun taking the form of a bird or a three-legged crow and then like mm. a solar crow imagery is uh, like a national symbol of japan today but it's related to this old like ancient tree of life or world tree you know a tree where the sun perches uh imagery yeah and there's like ancient Chinese bronze from, you know, dynasties that were thought to be just mythological of, uh, you know, digging up their tombs, you'll find here's a giant bronze tree, you know, um, there's no writing remaining of it, its exact meaning, but 
it seems to fit into like world tree imagery. Yeah. And then in, in, like in, in the Middle East, you also have like ancient, I guess, Assyrian uh, world tree or just not world tree, but like a tree image. We can call it a tree of life, but we don't have any, you know, passed down story or writing that we can 100 accurately say that's what the people who carved this said it was. But, you know, like a, a great tree in some throne room attended by, you know, winged birdmen that look very, like, angelic, Horus-like, and so on. So something very important. Yeah, and that, that, that's where, like, the Kabbalah imagery comes from, right? And also that, that bled down into, like, Evangelion and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. Uh, people from a thousand years ago found some cool art from people from their perspective a thousand or more years ago and that they fitted into their own existing worldview or or yeah. interpret it that's wild <laughs> yeah that's great to know that people have always been <laughs> doing that for ages right it's it's yeah. not just a modern thing yeah i just want yeah. to add um also an another famous world tree is the ashvata tree from uh, uh hindu and uh, just vedic uh, uh belief systems and uh, that that's in um, has its root in in, in uh, Vedic stories about um, this tree that has a uh, no beginning or end. So its branches spread out into infinity, and its roots also just keep going, uh, you know, beyond anyone's comprehension. And and it encompasses all of uh, existence. And um, yeah, that that's one of the oldest um, ideas of this cosmic tree that everything exists in. And uh, you know, maybe maybe that's where uh, Yggdrasil comes from, right? Because the Vikings were uh, pretty open to lots of different belief systems. Like I, I, re I remember reading about how like they found uh, evidence of uh, Vikings that had like Buddhist, um, you know, uh, 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 figures, right? Like they, they, they were really open about just collecting stuff from wherever they went. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's uh, not, not to a specific religion, but... Um... World trees and trees in general, like if you think about how most things evolve, they create a branching set of paths. And I think the it's that I think that imagery of a main trunk that has multiple, um, you know, multiple, multiple branches and roots and paths coming off of one and how it starts very simple and then it becomes more and more complex. I, I think that's why you see the imagery showing up so much across different cultures is that it's a very it's a very clean metaphor, I think, for the way that life evolves. And I think people can pick up on that pretty easily. And it's, yeah. It's more resonant. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I just want to say one thing very quickly. Um, we've always had and seen this uh, before, exactly what Sean just said. Uh, just the concept of like an alchemical tree of life of sorts. Like that's always been something which has been, you know, drawn in a very specific kind of a way, just like the different forms of like life itself, like where it is that certain species mm. lie and certain, you know, denominations and categorizations. Yeah, that's, it's always just been that way. We start at a certain point and we just make these sort of, you know, general spider diagrams that just become this this way. It's a, it's really interesting. And I was just having a recent look, even just now I've seen something else very similar, but what I'm just going to, post in here this is um basically the al alchemical tree pseudo lull 
and it's one of those things which exists at a place called the Halliford Museum of Art Exhibits. And yeah, like this is a really old piece of uh, artwork and it just sort of shows exactly what it is that I was saying. It's basically a, a tree with a bunch of different um, like branches and roots and stuff. And then as they, as they grow upwards, they each turn into, you know, different types of bird with different um, different meanings and stuff like that. So they've each got different like stars next to them. They have like some keys that are in a sort of X cross shape with uh, suns over them with like different beaming rays. And yeah, it's just, it's really interesting to have a look at all of these different things and see how uh, you know influential the tree imagery is not only just uh, historically but yeah, in the media which we uh, which we interpret today it's really interesting yeah it, yeah i can also add as rich mentioned from my side the uh the jewish mythology like i think you always hear like christian or bible stuff but you don't think that there's a mythology behind judaism which i've spoken about in previous episodes but example that's kind of interesting here is that even uh Judaism has a tree of life, which I'm sure everyone knows from the Genesis myth, uh, or you can call it the Garden of Eden story, whatever. But thing, something that I think is kind of interesting here is that um, the tree of life at, uh, within Jewish mythology is actually called the tree of souls uh, rather than mm. the tree of life. And then um, they, uh, I, I forget the name of it, but they fall into basically a treasury of souls. So there's a, a very clear kind of parallel with the tree of life being attached to the human soul. Uh, Although I do think that yeah. uh, that is predated by um, a number of much older mythologies, but I think it's interesting that you see it even in Christianity. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a very natural symbol, right? Yeah, the uh, the big go. tree in Avatar was called the Tree of Souls. Oh. I didn't, wow. yeah. I didn't know. This is why I just it. put this in. I, I put in a, in our little chat in a bunch of uh, TV tropes. So, for example, like I've just found now, um, Yggdrasil leaves, obviously, of course, in Dragon Quest. They're items that bring people back from the dead and stuff. And it's like, again, the, uh, the revival of one's soul is tied to Yggdrasil in this term as well. But it's always just been, you know, right there, sort of staring you in the face, you know, just uh, throughout all of those games, especially in. Um, especially in which one is it because I, I remember seeing was it like sentinel of the starry skies with like the giant they have like a giant tree in the background on the on the box art i think but yeah like they, they have a lot of different um use, uses for these uh for these bits of imagery and stuff which i find really really cool but again it's not just uh it's not just games it's it's so many different things it's uh yeah. it's movies it's tv shows it's other anime it's card games it's in comic books it's in music even like it's in other stuff like other areas of like you know like literature and like film and just yeah it's really just amazing to see how this one singular concept is is funnily enough to say like uh, it's got its roots in everything you know what i mean like it's just yeah. so yeah pervasive in a <laughs> sense it's really cool you could say yeah. to add the the singular adam pun for the episode the apple doesn't fall far from the tree that's what you, that's what you can oh, say there. oh <laughs> nice nice mythic illusion there too nice i, ha- okay. I have to do it did there as layers i have yeah. to do it so you know many layers yeah yeah bars okay okay. Say. <laughs> okay okay all right all right i'm i'm, I'm so excited i'm gonna get into the meat of my my thesis now okay so i, I was kind of meandering before I'm going to bring it together now. So I, I think there's many things um, in, in Elden Ring that point to it being particularly a call-out to Yggdrasil, and not, not just because it's shown up in so many other video games before, but I, I think they're actually digging even deeper into the imagery than I've ever seen from other games. So the first clue 
is that when you see the tree, you see and hear there's an audio call out. You you see two ravens flying over the landscape uh, with with the tree, this epic tree behind them. And um, in in Norse mythology, you know Odin is the uh, the, the the number one uh, god, right? The the All Father. Um, he is associated with ravens. He has uh, two uh, ravens called Hugin and Munin who um, are his servants. And every morning they fly all over the world and they come back to him in the evening and they report on uh, things that they've seen, right? And um, I think their names, Hugin and Munin, mean um, like thought and uh, memory. And, uh, you know, in artwork, uh, Odin's all often depicted with ra ravens perching on, a, uh, on his shoulder, right? And then, um, so, so that's number one. And then uh, Yggdrasil itself, right? Uh, in in Norse mythology, it's of course super important, but um, it's named after Odin. So Yig, uh, Odin has like so many different names. Uh, one of his names is Yig, and uh, one of the interpretations of Yggdrasil is it means Odin's horse, but it also specifically means the place where Odin hung himself from his horse, because uh, uh, horse also means gallows. If you look into the the, all the etymology involved in in these this the, the you know in the the texts here, and um, this is uh, Yggdrasil is uh, so called because um, one of the most important stories about it, aside from it being the this thing that connects the universe, is um, there's a really important part of Norse mythology where uh, so Odin, right? He, he he's the uh, um, yeah he's the top dog in in Norse cosmology, but he's not. He's not almighty, right? He, he's not like the biblical god. He's not even quite like Zeus. Like he, he's, uh, he's still, um, he's still a person who's always his. His main thing is he thirsts for knowledge, right? That's why he's so respected. Is that he has an unquenchable thirst for knowledge. He's always trying to learn more and to cultivate himself to, to learn the secrets of the universe. So, uh, one of the things that led him to Yggdrasil is that. Um, uh, I think at, at the base of Yggdrasil are some of the most powerful beings in the universe in, in the in Norse cosmology called the, the Norns. And there are three women who uh, weave the fate of, um, you know, like all living things. And, and, and of course, the, the, it, you have a similar concept in like Greek mythology with the fates and stuff. You, you know, like you have call outs to this in like uh, Macbeth and things like that. But in Norse mythology, there's, there's these beings called the Norns. And uh, one of their powers is that they have control over runes. So through inscriptions, uh, through, you know, uh, carving these holy sigils and stuff, like they can actually directly influence the, uh, the universe. They could just, you know, uh, their will things into being through runes, and they were the only people that knew how to use them. So Odin, uh, he really, really wanted to learn how to use runes, and um, but you know, they 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 wouldn't teach it to him. They just told him the runes will reveal themselves to anyone who's worthy, right? So what Odin did then was he went to Yggdrasil, and he climbed up high on it, and he hung himself on a branch for for nine nine days and nights, and the whole time. Uh, he refused any help from any of the other gods, and uh, there, there's this is a very metaphysical thing, right? Like, so he hung himself. He uh, he kind of offered himself to himself, like he he killed himself to like in an attempt to raise his consciousness, and then um, apparently in doing so, in uh, it, in 
he proved himself worthy. Like he, he proved that he would just sacrifice anything to really deepen his knowledge. And uh, through that action of hanging himself on Yggdrasil, uh, the runes revealed themselves to him. And, um, you know, once he learned uh, the power of the runes, he, he, he learned how to like do stuff like heal wounds, bind and defeat his enemies, escape from any constraint, put out fires, raise the dead. Uh, really awesome mythic abilities and also very video gamey abilities too, right? So, um, okay, and then so to tie this back to to Elden Ring, um, there's a lot of imagery of hanged people uh, in in this game. Like if you look at the trailer, um, you, you'll see like flayed skins in 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 uh, hanging from the ceiling in one scene, and then very very notably, there's a shot of the character. This this uh, tarnished character, the lowly tarnished rising up, um, heading towards this holy tree. And they're going through an underpass. And right in that shot, you'll see a bunch of hanged men superimposed right on top of that tree. So I was like, that's, that's gotta be on purpose. I, so I think, so I think, yeah, I, I think the tree is very much a direct call out to Yggdrasil, and then I think it ties into like um, the game. It's going to be about unlocking runes because th uh, from from what I've seen of uh, the gameplay, it seems like uh, the the tarnished the, the characters and the lords, they're able to do these uh, use these runes to like summon stuff, right? Like when you when you see them fighting, there's um, there's a shot of like you know the lowly tarnished going up against this giant lord, uh, but then he you know you see this rune appear and his sword. Um, it, it like fills with light and it becomes much longer than it you know was before. And then of course when the Lord's fighting back, like they you see like this sort of rune like imagery, and they could just summon like a weapon out of thin air and like try to smash you with it. So I'm I'm, I'm guessing that's going to be a central part of the game, and that they were able to tie it to this uh, mythology. So um, yeah, any any thoughts there? Absolutely. Um, I would I hop in. Uh, so, okay, so sorry, just, just, just oh go go go, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. A... A history note. Um, go ahead, go sure. ahead. Like Norse runes are very cool looking and show up in a lot of games as like an ancient magic language. Like, uh, you know, Dragon's Crown has a whole magic mechanic around runes. But um, like history wise, runes seem to be based on like the Latin alphabet going north to like uh, the barbarian tribes who did not seem to have writing before that. So then like the Odin story, like it could uh, be events that, you know, took place after other recorded events that uh, we have from Romans and older. And uh, oh. also a lot of this Norse mythology comes from like uh, people or or that that Iceland Iceland dude Snorri just gathering uh, oral storytelling from like the 1200s. So yeah, Th this is something I learned from you, Andy. Is that what we know about Norse mythology is um, it's it's much younger than Christianity, right? Like we tend to think of it as like oh, it must be from like the Greek era or something, right? But it's yeah, yeah. It's like uh, there's a tendency for like oh, you know. You know, reject modernity, return to tradition, but uh, this like can be a pretty new thing relative to other old traditions too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, yeah, just it, a quick note. Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, just okay. I want to uh, throw in a, a quick uh, historical reference here. So the poem, uh, the poem that I've been referencing for, uh, okay. So like Andy said, um, uh, uh, the Nordic peoples didn't, as far as we know, they didn't really have like a writing system for for a lot of history, right? So most of the stuff that we know about Nordic mythology today uh, comes from what they call the poetic edas, which is something that uh, somebody collected. Um, I think in like what the 1200s, 1300s. Um, so th relatively speaking, they're not like super ancient, um, right? So, and, and they came from oral stories. So they came long after uh, these stories were originally created. Um, and, and uh, oh, and I, I did find the part of uh, one of the texts uh, pertaining to Odin hanging himself. I'll, I'll read it out loud and then, and then I'll hand things over to AJ. Okay, so this is from the uh, Hovamol. Uh, which is one of the sacred texts of the uh, Nordic peoples. This is translated into English. This is the part where Odin talks about uh, hanging himself from Yggdrasil. He says, I ween that I hung on the windy tree, hung there for nights full nine, with the spear I was wounded and offered I was to Odin, myself to myself, on the tree that none may ever know what root beneath it runs. Good stuff. Yeah. And this was also recorded by Christian, so it does seem like uh, pretty close to crucifixion imagery. Oh my God, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, offering yourself to yourself, oh, the son and the father. and the... Okay. Oh, man. I, I can get into that after AJ gets his thing. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. okay so... I was just going to mention something like that too, but you are, you guys got that first, which is great. But yeah, they have a lot of, um, they have a lot of this imagery that exists within the world too. So for example, just to sort of spin off this very quickly, a large part of like the online multiplayer functions, they obviously, they allow for people to be able to experience also different PVE and also PVP, uh, different experiences and these things called invasions, which are, well, it's kind of a little bit strange to explain in some cases but people can invade your world and your gameplay session so for example if you're sort of just walking around in the world you can actually have other people playing just around you and then they can come and then try and attack you or some or sometimes they can they can try and help you out as well like they have different kind of types of uh, invasions as it were so you can have someone be friendly or someone be an enemy sometimes they'll help you out with a boss or sometimes they'll try and fight you whilst you're fighting a boss it can be very strange it can be very interesting but yeah one of the actual uh, areas regarding this though i just wanted to mention they have these effigies and the effigies are two separate things you have a small golden yeah. effigy and you have a small red effigy that you can utilize so the small golden one that sends a cooperative sign to the summoning pool. So, for example, the summoning pool, that allows for people to, you know, come into your world. So, for example, it's the same sort of, like, shape as a sort of crucifix, only apart from it doesn't have the sort of top part to it. Instead of it being that, that top bit, it's just kind of like a, it's like a sort of low uh, Y, like a low capital Y shape. But, yeah, you, you mm. find a lot of these, like, on the, on the ground. But there are, there are white versions of these that stick up out of the floor. And if you actually look at the Elden Ring logo as well, you can find that same shape near the very top of the logo itself. So it's above the words like Elden like Ring in the, the main uh, image, in, in some of the main uh, key art that you will see of the game. 
they'll have all of the circles and all of the rest of the sort of intersecting and crossing lines and stuff. But yeah, like if you have a look at it, you can actually, you know, see that kind of low Y shape. But that wasn't even the main thing what I was going to mention. That's just something, that's just like a side thing. The main thing what I wanted to mention about um, the magic and the sorcery of this game, it's exactly what Richmond was mentioning earlier with regards to... Um, uh the sort of religious aspect of like faith so they have a whole separate they have two separate sets of uh, magics if you will so they have sorcery uh they have uh, source, yeah, sorcery and um they have incantations so basically sorcery have like a wide variety of effects and you must have a staff equipped in order to conjure sorcery and there are seven to- sorceries are total in the test and stuff and you got got to obtain them from the sorceress who will, will teach you how to you know cast these different types of magic called a so she's called sorceress Celine, i believe but uh, what it is that you were mentioning there richmond was regards to that uh, you know that that one sword growing uh, larger and mm-hmm. stuff like that that move is called the carrion piercer and what it is that that does, as you mentioned, it uh, sort of extends the length of um, of a of a magical blade of sorts. And if you charge it up, it becomes stronger and stronger. And you do a a large sort of like thrust slash forwards. And it's really really cool. But uh, this blue blade appears out of the end tip of your of your mage staff. It's very interesting. I like it a lot. But one of the cooler things about this though, that's one of the um, that's one of the types of magic that exists here. But another type of magic that exists is called incantations. So incantation spells have also they've got a wide variety of, of uh, offensive effects and stuff. But you also must have a sacred seal equipped in order to be able to, be able to conjure those incantations. Ooh. And there are about 11 of them in the network test itself. So the difference between those is they, they, uh, they, they work via different stats. So your sorcery, that area of magic, that goes by your intelligence. So that will be raised, ju- judging by you know uh, your your mind stat, I believe it's called. But uh, the incantations they are raised or buffed by your faith. So for example, you have two different aspects of you know the uh, the mind state, as it were, and they they are what allow for you to access like magic in this world. And I think that's really interesting because they have this you know this uh, this intellectual aspect, which is you know based around intelligence being you know a, a sort of a a, a, ma- a magical slash scientific like aspect, right? It's like it's the study of it. It's the very specific you know learning from a sorceress who comes from a, a magic school. The 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 sorceress Celine, who you actually learn from, she's a she's a witch but she's like a cast out witch and she's you know she's she's been sort of a what's the word for it again um uh, she's been yeah she's been uh kicked out um expelled that's it yeah she's been expelled from her uh school basically but she wants to teach you if you will uh, you know allow her to do so and then you you're able to buy different uh bits and pieces from her and stuff so it's really really cool but the actual way that you get the other type of magic the uh, the incantations you find them around the world and they allow for you to do all different kinds of things. For example, you can have this absolutely amazing ability called a dragon fire, which allows for you to, you know, quite literally spit fire like a dragon. You'll cast this giant dragon head above you, and it'll be sort of suit like a little bit uh, transparent and hollow, but it'll just cast this huge huge area of effect damage this flame damage in front of you and it will decimate your enemies and your foes and it's just really really cool to to watch and to see but again like the the cool thing about it is that that's like a faith-based skill so that comes from the uh, a class which uh, which uh, basically you know they're very strong believers in this type of magic, but it's a it's a belief system type of thing. It's a religious type of a thing. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I just mm. think it's really interesting how they've decided to go on and have magic be split 
but also be still related to each other in terms of how it is that we access it through our minds, through our senses of self, through our religious, uh, you know, like experiences in the world, and also through the study of it as a as a science, as a as a magical science of sorts. I, I think it's just really cool that they would do that. Yeah, like in um, Dark Souls, the faith-based magic, it was uh, the flavor text described them as a story of a miracle happening and like through memorizing that story belief in the story you uh make the miracle happen again for you exactly cool yeah it, it's it's super super cool and like I, I put in a video and you guys can just flick through that but yeah they've got such amazing spells and one other thing which i thought was very interesting as well uh magic like in this game like especially again just like ranged combat it seems to be uh, head and shoulders above in terms of uh, you know enemy engagement. Just uh, I played as um, a class called like the Bloody Wolf class. So this is um, it's it's a class which is typically focused around melee combat. They have a lot of really cool um, they've got a lot of really cool skills and they have a lot of you know very uh, big weapons based attacks and stuff like that. If you're familiar with other Souls games, this is a character who is pretty much a very very similar character to a to a basic sort of like strength build like warrior type uh, character in a sense. But in it, they're they're a little bit faster and they're a little bit more um, like uh, what was the word for it? Ferocious, I'd say. Yeah. That. They have uh, five classes that we're able to play as in this game. The Enchanted Knight, who used sorcery, and they used, uh, again, ranged attacks with spells, and they used a lot of turtling with the with the best shield in the game. The other thing is just the Enchanted Knight shield or the Enchanted shield. It's basically a really good defensive option. It's one of the best in the game so far. Uh, the Prophet has uh, some of the strongest spells in a move called Beast Claw, which is really, really cool. You sort of drag your arm across the ground, and then these just amazing almost a zoro from one piece like slashes through the air appear and then they just decimate the enemy in front of you it's really really cool it has a bit of a stronger area of effect as well and a longer area of effect if you charge it but one thing that was also interesting that move can't be done on water or over water so you have to use it on ground which is very interesting that i just sort of uh, realized and discovered through watching a bunch of videos but yeah they've got the bloody wolf class that i just mentioned that was mine and then the the champion class which is very effective due to the utilization of the dragonfire incantation that i mentioned another you know area of effect damaging attack just a giant dragon head that sort of appears above you and then spits and blows fire everywhere just burning and destroying everything around you it's amazing that's one of many super cool incantations that the champion uh, faith is able to utilize through the faith uh, based uh, skill and then uh, also the warrior which is a dexterity based class and they can be a bit harder to use but a really good candidate for archery skills and for two-handing or double or sorry utilizing a two of the same weapon so uh just using really cool sets of attacks uh really cool flipping and jumping motions as well and that's a whole other thing which we're going to get into later but you can jump in this game and you're able to oh. actually you know you know change how it is that you engage with the environment on so many different levels now just with that yeah. inclusion so yeah really interesting stuff okay cool all right i, I know um uh I think Sean Sean uh, wanted to say something about the uh, what we were talking about with the um, the imagery. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So um, I actually think that also it's it's a good lead into the theme of the game, but <clears throat> maybe some more interesting historical facts or parallels to make. Um, we were we were mentioning that the um, the Odin myth has a lot of parallels with um, Christianity. Um, so to, to kind of point out some of the the similarities, so. 
Um, obviously, a, a major image um, in in a the Christian mythology, uh, as it were, is that you know Jesus was crucified. I think um, a lot of the the imagery and a lot of the things that people are probably familiar with would be Jesus being nailed to a cross. What's interesting about that, and the reason it's more similar to Odin, is that in reality, um, it was very uncommon to actually nail people to a cross. Um, crucifixion, I'm not going to go too deeply into it, is a very long and very uh, unfun way to die, but it's effectively done by hanging the arms, and basically it causes the person to slowly asphyxiate with their arms held up. So it really is much closer oh, wow. to being hung on a tree than it is. The, the nailing thing is actually something that was done specifically within the story. I think it was probably there um, more for sim uh, symbolism than anything else. But um, whether that actually happened is unclear, but it was a pretty uncommon. So the, the idea that um, Odin was making up for something uh, or like sacrificing himself uh, by hanging on a tree is almost exactly the same. Same kind of idea around the, the meta ideas that even though Jesus was sacrificing himself for humanity, he was ostensibly sacrificing himself to God, um, who is via the Trinity, one and the same. The it's it's like they are all separately God, but also God together, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. So again, similar, and it even goes as, as deeper as to. Um, Odin being stabbed with the sword. Um, right, he was stabbed with the spear. Yes. Actually, Odin was. Yeah. Um, yes. So, and specifically, Jesus on the cross was stabbed with uh, a spear. It actually has a name. It's called, uh, it goes by many names, the Spear of Destiny, the Lance of uh, Longinitis, the the Holy Lance. Um, I, I, I would bet you money that there is a lance in this game <laughs> that is called something like the Spear of Destiny or... Um, the, the long the long lance or something like that and that's also where the whole um when he was stabbed blood and water came out and there's a, a lot of mythology there um around the the um the power of, of blood and water you can see that imagery actually through a lot of earlier dark dark souls games um where like you know there's a little bit more christian imagery and the last thing um i want to want to add to kind of wrap it back into the game itself i think is interesting is that uh, we were kind of talking about how norse mythology is uh, come from a time that was mostly relied on um, passing along the record uh, orally. It was it was not a written language. And I think a lot of people look at the similarities between Christianity and Norse and wonder if, as the Vikings converted to Christianity, if uh, they, they picked it up from Norse mythology and moved it over. Because, like, Christianity is pretty well known for, uh, I'm going to say, borrowing a lot of pagan imagery at a lot of pagan festivals. But um, what, I, what I've what i read, um, there's a good book that doesn't address this specifically, but it's the same kind of idea called Misquoting Jesus about how the early way that Christian writings were done, obviously before the printing press, was usually done by church officials or monks copying the information by hand. And in Misquoting Jesus, they talk about how monks might would kind of, you know, very slowly and pervasively over time kind of add their own spin to Bible passages. So a lot of things got changed over time. And something that I think a lot of historians think about Norse mythology is that weirdly it was, um, it was, it kind of blended things together as Christian authors recorded Norse mythology from the oral tradition into written language. And that's where it started um, picking up a lot of similarities and a lot of similar themes. And the big theme, which of course is, very prevalent in all of the Soulsborne games, but in this one specifically is forgiveness. 
Um, I think that's that's a really deep thing. So a lot of the the things pulling these all together, um, I think that's where a lot of there's a lot of powerful parallels um, in terms of um, honoring the sacrifice, it being uh, tainted in some way, uh, bringing uh, effectively people that were were sinners that were banned back in order to. So it's not just bringing heroes back; it's bringing people that that require forgiveness in order to repair. Uh, a damaged world. My understanding also is that the the areas are are beset by what I, I think the uh, director I saw in an interview he called them the old gods of the world. So a lot of Christian moving into Norse mythology is this idea also of moving from a mono like a, a polytheistic set of traditions to a monotheistic one while still having that element like because you talk about christianity especially catholicism being monotheistic except that it presents three gods <laughs> but but it says oh but it's one it's one god um and uh, christianity tends to especially catholicism tends to breeze over it by being like oh well it's a mystery as humans we can't understand it but i think that there there is a a clear interplay there between you're fighting the old gods of this world that must be, you know, come together. Um, and all right, uh, we are back. Sorry, we had a uh, internet hiccup. So uh, to to end what I was talking about to wrap it all back around, we were I was mentioning the, the spear and things like that. So the the, the way that you can kind of tell in the oral tra tradition over to writing that we were talking about is that um, classically, and Richmond just showed this to me that. Odin's spear is called often the spear of destiny. So I, I think that there you'll start finding many, many parallels uh, between those. So I think it's, uh, it's interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see how uh, they use that as a creative jumping off point. I am particularly interested in the theming of the, the six, I believe six main kind of like demigod old God, like bosses that are in the game. I haven't seen all the designs, but I suspect there will be a lot to dive in there. Hmm. Yeah, um, just something uh, I want to add with, you know, the tree imagery, uh, you know, death and rebirth. Like there's also, um, you know, the Buddha meditating under the Bodhi tree and then, you know, assaulted by the demons of Mara and uh, like by overcoming them, he attains enlightenment. So it's kind of... Uh, you know, like a death of the former self to be reborn something new and like to be yeah. you know, uh, above those uh, demons that are illusions. So like they cannot hurt them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Oh, man. <laughs> it, it, it's just amazing how, how this imagery um, you know, keeps recurring in different cultures, different periods in time. Oh man, great. Okay, so um, next, I would like to get in, uh, keep exploring the the themes of the game. Uh, so, so uh, the, you know, we we brought this up before. I'd like to d dive deeper into the uh, the very very overt theme of class conflict that I think um, is uh, one of the huge driving forces of the the game and the narrative and the setting and stuff. So, um, if if we go back to the trailer. <laughs> uh the 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 reveal trailer from from june um so we talked about the tree they show the tree after they show the tree there's that line that adam read earlier uh, it says the golden order is broken to its core 
And okay, so the first part, when they say the golden order is broken, right? Um, this I, I I love this trailer so much because there, there's so much meaning packed into like every second of this. So um, the, the golden order, just that name is super evocative, right? I, I think it's, you can immediately start piecing together the lore in your head. You know, the game's called Elden Ring, you know, like there's a mythological ring that's very central to it. So when you hear the name Golden Order, it's easy to assume this must be some ruling organization that uh, controls the ring, or maybe they used to control the ring. And uh, clearly, like the lords in the game, they must belong to this Golden Order. And if you are tarnished, you probably were kicked out of this Golden Order, right? And then um, what's really cool is when... So the first thing they show is like uh, the big... Looks like maybe a volcano or something and some outpost. And you see like a like a, a flag with the world tree on it. So okay, so you're like okay, maybe that's the golden order sign or something. Maybe they worship the tree. Um, and and uh, there's also like a weird ghostly uh, um, flagpole post or something. Uh, it, it's it's pointing upward. And then right after that, they cut to uh, when it says broken, right? they cut to this other setting of, it looks like a cathedral, but it's been like torn apart, but parts of it are still standing and, and like huge chunks of the walls and the ceiling are missing. And uh, you can tell it's cathedral-like because of the architecture, right? It's very grandiose, huge columns. And then um, what's interesting is like, it, it looks like gravity's reversed here. There's a lot of upward uh, imagery, right? There's rubble, ashes flowing upward. But then there's also candles being lit. And so the candles kind of have like a religious feeling. It seems like a place of worship. But on top of that, they're still lit. So people are still worshiping here. But then um, if you look really closely, and th this I think is amazing. Um, if you look at the scene with this uh, cathedral looking place, it, uh, it, if you look at the broken parts, the mortar, the guts of this place, there's dead people in there. So it's it's literally it's literally made from the bodies of presumably the worshippers and the, the probably the common people that that form the core of the golden order, right? Because no organization can only exist with elites. Uh, you know that wealth flows upward to them from the common people. And 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 in this shot in the trailer, when they say the golden order is broken, broken, you see this like cathedral, and then to its core. That's when you see these wretched looking, you know, like just a very lowly, uh, maybe tarnished, maybe just very common folk. These aren't fighters. You see people uh, gathered around a campfire, just looking, just looking absolutely miserable. Like rain is drizzling on them. And they, they look like they're sort of like just prostrating themselves before the heavens, like asking for relief. So I, I just think all that stuff together, right, really, really sells you this idea of class conflict, the Golden Order, the Elden Ring, and um, you know the, this order is made from it, it, it's literally paved with the dead bodies of its 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 worshippers. Um, yeah, right. Absolutely. I, I just want to mention how well you encapsulated that. That is quite literally exactly what occurs, just because, again, just to sort of, like, hammer this home, like, in some of the boss fights, 
you have like literal bodies just strewn around the areas in which you fight, but mainly behind the enemies. Like there are these sort of like fleshy, like twisted, morphed, warped mounds of flesh, and you just see like faces and arms and legs and chests like strewn about, but also like sort of like fused together in a kind of like mm. like the like if you the like if you got a bunch of like wires and cables and just like mix them all up in in like a big spaghetti like ball. It was kind of like that. So yeah, that was one thing that that reminded me of. But just another thing as well, just very, very quickly. I think that it's so interesting that we have that symbolism and that imagery that repeats so many times because of how many times we see characters, you know, with multiple hands and fingers and arms and stuff like that all together. So it's like, I kind of think about it like this, like the people that are trying to fight you, they are you know they have many hands they have many skills yes they have, they have lots yes. of they're, they're able to do many different things with with these hands and they have lots of fingers and they have you know they're, they're able to mold and shape the world with those hands which is what they're doing and like you as a person as a fighter you kind of only have two hands and stuff so yeah. one other thing as well in the world that you see all the time you see people digging, not with um, not with spades, not with not with their instruments, you know, with like their bare hands. They have like overseers of sorts that lead them around the world that you can fight. And they're sort of like they're leading people through these different areas and stuff like that. But they you also just by riding around on your steed sometimes you'll find groups of people just digging in the ground just with their bare hands. Oh my got God. Their overseer. Yeah, they've got and then they've got an overseer with like a big torch and he's shouting at them to make them like dig more and stuff and then they're just, you know, trying to dig through the ground with like their fingers and stuff like that but yeah i just think it's really interesting how all of this kind of loops back on itself when you see again like these oppressive class structures just so blatantly shown throughout the world it's very you know specific and blatant and it's just it's it's really interesting just to see how it is this is being uh, addressed and how not only just that by the way all of the all of the enemies that speak they call you not just tarnished they call you like foul tarnished so, for example, like Margit the Fell, who you are fighting and battling against, mm. he is someone who speaks to you in such a degrading way. But once yeah. you start to fight him, once you start to fight him, he says, oh, it seems as though you are of... Um, he says something very specific. I forget the name. I forget the, exactly what he says specifically right now. But he says that you have worried that you perhaps you have warrior's blood like flowing through you. And I was like, that's such a you know, that's such a sort of like a, a specific way of viewing people. Do you know what I mean? They, they, it's a very yeah. it, it, it's a very um, uh, fascist in a way. They view view of way of viewing the world. It, it's 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 definitely has its roots in, in a eugenicist sort of like mindset, right? Of you know, certain people having you know certain bloodlines and having certain you know ways in which like they are born into the world and their position comes through you know birth and life and what it is that they sort of like aspire to or aspire to remain aspire to um uphold is is the fact that they want to see those structures remaining they want they want to see them you know upheld and they don't want those institutions you know unbalanced in any way and he very specifically says this as well he specifically says like I'm gonna, you know, destroy you and your ambitions. Like he's like meager. Like, he's like uh, he's like a uh, what's he say? He's like foul tarnished. Like a uh, like uh, impassioned by like your meager flames and like that. Like I'm gonna snuff out your ambition, basically. Like he doesn't yeah. want you to have your ambitions. He doesn't want for you to have your, you know, your skills. He doesn't want for you to utilize them. So yeah, I think it's just, it's very interesting how someone can so specifically say they're gonna crush you and not just you your idea that you can become something better than what it is that you yeah, are. Yeah. That's, that's really, I, really I, I want to get into that. So if, if you go back to this trailer, after they t- 
talk about the golden order being broken to its core that's when they actually show the reveal of the player character right and you see presumably you are this tarnished character and there's a, maybe it looks like a rising sun maybe it's a setting sun but it looks like a rising sun it looks hopeful and um you know you you see this lowly tarnished and it's like a dawn of a new day and you get all this ascendant imagery like right away he summons a steed uh, with the world tree behind him right and then um i i love this the the steed that he rides it's not even a horse it's it's a cow he rides a work animal right it's it's not like a you know it's not like a, a battle horse the cows historically are are um cultivated for milk or for meat or or you know largely just for work actually for most of history they weren't even eaten they were for pulling you know for helping you farm absolutely for labor yeah yeah, yeah. it's 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 perfectly mentioned there just because again the the, the steed is called torrent and uh, you you access torrent because of uh, uh melana the the one of the maidens like they're basically okay. in the in the, in this world you have you're supposed to not be maidenless basically you need a maiden to help you out with regards to you know your travel and your you know a variety of different skills which they'll speak to you about and the just the ways in which they'll sort of like guide you they're like a, a spirit guide of sorts but she once you reach a certain uh certain site of grace she will come up to you and then you know strike up conversation and say hey you maidenless but i can be your maiden i can help you out uh and in return we can do such and such a thing and then i can teach you about the world and then you can help me with this and then you have a conversation but at the end of that conversation she gives you a ring and also a, a whistle shaped like a ring but that whistle is what you utilize to you know summon torrent and as you said torrent is like a i, I guess he's kind of like like an ibex kind of like that's what is that he looks like to me it's very um it's very it's very princess mononoke vibes for me to be honest. but yeah, <laughs> yeah. like it, it, it's really really cool just to see like you said like it's not something it's a torrent isn't a, a being that is um that is uh super dressed up like he's, he's not like adorned in gold like torrent isn't someone who you know when you look at you think oh wow like very expensive looking or very you know overtly like you know gaudy or like adorned with like jewels and gold and stuff like no torrent looks like like you said like a work animal and i think one of the best things about that actually as well about the way in which they specifically uh try and show this off even is the fact that you have an enemy at the very start of the game called the tree sentinel and this enemy is absolutely uh, just ridiculous in terms of like how it is that you have to fight them and engage them in the very at the very start of the game. Basically, they are riding the exact opposite of what it is that you have. Basically, they are riding this really, really interesting giant golden steed, and they just come up to you at the very start. And if they if you catch their eye, they will try and just destroy you. They will try and hit you with this giant axe spear, and they've got a massive move set, massive move pull. But the main thing which I wanted to mention here is the fact that they are adorned in this beautiful gold, like tapestry-like armor with like really interesting regalia, and just it's very shiny. It's got a beautiful, beautiful specularity to all of it. Like it's it's as if like they've come out of like a parade or some kind of like really important like procession. And you're just like a, you know, quite literally like a lowly tarnished taking your first steps into the world. And it just it says everything about what the what the game is, but what it is that the, you know, class positions are like in this world. Like they want you to have 
you know, like this sort of, uh, okay, these guys are on top, you're on the bottom. They have the horses and all of the wow. shiny weaponry and you and you have nothing. Do you know what I mean? And, the, and this is the first, this is, this is one of the first experiences that you have in the, uh, in the outer world, basically. They're, they're an optional uh, main boss, I suppose, because you can avoid them if you want. But if you if you do take them out, you get a cool reward and stuff. But yeah, it's what I wanted to mention that specifically. Ah, because, yeah, cool. They, and it's called they, the they, Tree Sentinel. Okay. Yeah, exactly. The Tree Sentinel. Yeah, the Tree Sentinel. They, yeah. they they did a really cool job with this fight, and they have this really beautiful like way of moving and attacking, and it's just mesmerizing to watch. So yeah, yeah they really, look really, really cool. proper. Right? They're in full regalia, all shiny, and the, the, the tree of life. You know, the world tree is like all golden too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm I think sure it, we could spend a whole podcast on just the shield this enemy holds. It's mm-hmm. so detailed, and it's got a lot going on. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you know what's cool about it as well? If, if you fire magical attacks at the shield, certain magical attacks, it will actually like reject them like back at you, and it'll do a really cool animation where it glows and where it kind of like spins a little bit, and a huge rune will like pop out of it, kind of in a, in a holographic sense. And then they, they'll reject the magical attack like back at you. It's just really cool the way that it's done. This this uh this boss fight is just. It's terrifying in a lot of ways when you first go up to it, but then you then you realize, okay, I can do this, and then you fight, and then you you eventually win if you if you if you figure nice. it out. This but, is yeah. like more of a mechanical thing, but I think it's a really impressive mechanic. He has this giant shield and horse, but one of his attacks is to dive you with the shield, and it doesn't even dismount him or anything. He just kind of lands mm-hmm. and then pops back up on his horse. Um, mm-hmm. That's how that's how like the shield is so large. That he can like literally Huge. land on it with the weight of his horse, and then not even, and then just flip right back from it. It's really cool. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. One one other thing I just want to mention very quickly and briefly is the fact. Well, it's it's, it's two short things, but like, the one is the fact that like this character is so so like proper as you said, which I'm glad that you mentioned. But they're so destructive. Like, they have this sheer like force like about them. It's absolutely like ridiculous. Like one in in an area with this kind of like near a church, like the basically this tree sentinel, like they destroy like the area like around them. So basically, the, you you can try and hide in this uh, church, and I think it's called the Church of LA, I think. But yeah, like it is absolutely like ridiculous, like the way in which they sort of like they chase you into this area and. Yeah, they, they just wreck this uh, this giant church. All of the rubble starts falling. The ground starts shaking. And just because of how, you know, uh, vicious they are in their attacks and their effort to get you, like, they just start cleaving through stone and, like, they're cutting down trees and they're mowing down other smaller bushes and trees. Like, for example, even, like, I was able to fight this character a bunch of times, but I also use spirits as well. And, like, the spirits that you can summon in this game, you have a variety of different ones. For example, you can summon wolves, or you can summon summon other warriors, or you can summon a, a, a mage who fires attacks. Like, this uh, boss, this tree sentinel, will just cut through all of those, like, very, very, like, quickly. It's just really interesting to watch the way that they that they fight and stuff. It's just really cool. But, yeah, the, the other last thing which I wanted to mention was just the fact that, like, it's really interesting just to see how it is that, like, this uh, character, like, they have all these cool skills and abilities, but then they kind of don't even use the thing that they give to you, which is this ability, I forget exactly the name of it, I think it, it's a, it's like a holy, like, it's like a holy shield type of thing. It's, it's one of the ashes of war which you get. Uh, I believe it's called... Uh, it's not sacred. Is it sacred ashes of war? I think it is. There it is. Yeah, sacred ashes of war. I believe that's what it's called. Yeah, it's basically um, oh, it's, sorry, it's one of them. 
I'll try and find it very quickly. But yeah, basically it allows for you to heal yourself and you get this really beautiful uh, golden um, set of runes and like uh, sigils and marks on the ground. And like they have this sort of like aura around them. And when you step on it, it heals you very, very slowly. Like the fact that like he had this ability but didn't even use it kind of on you, it kind of sort of denotes and points to the fact that like this character doesn't like care that like they have this ability that could help heal themselves they don't even think that you're worth that in a sense do you know what i mean like they they have this thing which could allow for them to continue to regenerate their health pool but you're so low down as a tarnished i suppose that they don't care about that they'll fight you and even risk you know being hurt just so that they won't you know use this i guess like holy magic like in your presence almost it's just it's very on the nose and i think it's very cool yeah Okay, All right, Andy, um, I think you wanted you to talk earlier, about, about uh, yeah, Tolkien and, uh -huh. well, uh, going to the class question, um, which, uh, you know, tarnished and gold, lots of imagery around it, uh, like in, after Tolkien's works, like uh, the fantasy authors after him, like Michael Moorcock, who you know, created chaos and magic swords wielded by chaos champions, uh, like, big criticism is uh, Tolkien's stories just kind of uphold the class order as, oh, this is how things should be. The return of the king will make everything right. Um, it's the the poor hill people. They are degenerate enough to side with the, uh, yeah, the, ta the, the bad guys and the orcs are, they're tainted, they're tarnished. So um, Tolkien said he didn't make a book to, uh, you know, for people to live by he just wanted a fairy tale so those aren't necessarily his views on how life should be but that was a criticism of his works later and um you can see this in elden ring you know uh, i mean what does tarnished mean when a metal is tarnished it uh becomes like uh oxidized or you know it becomes impure it's no longer shiny but uh you know what can't be tarnished is completely pure gold but mm. most gold is mixed ah. with other metals because gold by itself is very soft and you can't do much with it. It needs, you could call lesser metals combined to support it. But those uh, other metals can be tarnished, oxidized over time. So the gold will uh, visibly, you know, lose some of its luster. Oh my god. <laughs> that's wow. that's so cool. Wow. <laughs> wow. It, it says a lot, doesn't it? It really does. Just because yeah. again it's like that they're rejecting a society that could in essence, you know, make them so much better. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're Stronger, shutting out yeah. whole yeah, they're, they're shutting out whole worldviews, they're shutting out whole abilities of, you know, people and skills which they have and things which they've honed, which they just don't even want, you know, to share or have access to. Like it's 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 about so many different things that exist obviously in real life but i mean yeah it, it really is just very, it's very well said very well said that andy for, yeah. for real and yeah. um you know something tarnished tarnished gold it's it's not like rust it's only just a surface level uh, blemish it's easily removed so um and then yeah. pure gold you can't really do much with it other than display it um mm. also um you know the the sun imagery like the trailer has you. It shows uh, the characters seem to be starting from far away and heading towards the sun, 
and the sun seems to be perched on top of the tree. And with um, the Chinese tree of life, or just, you know, big famous tree, it's said to grow in uh, Fusang, an island that is uh, to the east of China. So, oh, that's where the sun rises. So the sun perches there and then heads elsewhere in the world and returns there. So um, it seems like the different characters in the trailer and then other promotional materials, they are going from darkened areas to this great tree. But it seems like uh, there's uh, not really a sun moving across the sky, is there? Like, AJ, when you played the game, um, like, did you see anything like the sun moving in the sky? Okay, so, yeah, in, in essence, like, uh, it's kind of interesting to even mention because, like, in some areas, it's kind of as if, like, everything is so bright in some places that it kind of doesn't look as though that's the case. But there, there actually is a day and night cycle. There is. It takes one full hour, basically, for you to go through from a full day cycle all the way through to a full night cycle, back to a full day cycle. But so it... I played in increments of three hours. And oh, uh, is it, is it like, can you see like a sun like in the sky? I, I think I'm okay. I'm not quite sure if I can, but I think you can. You can definitely, you can definitely see it getting like brighter and darker, and you can see the clouds moving. I'm pretty sure you can. I'm pretty sure you can because I know that you can see I... like a large moon at nighttime. I right. think you can. But does it? Seem you can like definitely see the moon. Sun yeah. is being kept in only one place on top of the tree. Mm, mm. Mm. I, I think I, I think that that is just like the actual brightness of like the tree itself because like there's more than just one el earth tree as well by the way it's like they, they have a kind of a a, a a bright root to them like it's like the tree itself is come is composed of this like just bright aura this this sort of tangible sort of like bark if you will it, it's it's really quite cool to, to look at but you don't you don't get up too too up close to it or anything else like that i've not been too up close to any of the earth trees anyway but yeah if you have oh, there's more than one imagery, like yeah no, no, there is there is there's multiple there's multiple 100 percent yeah there's multiple it's not just one so for example there's, there's one like large one which you see but like there are some shorter ones and smaller ones which you can absolutely like see uh, yourself like going toward and stuff there's yeah there's i think uh, from what it is that i saw i must have seen like about maybe four or five there's, there's multiple of them yeah oh man i i just want to say real quick so uh, a lot of what i'm bringing to my interpretation of this game is based on um uh and and it it, it, it I've been working on a story for a game that I'm making. Andy's been helping me out. And uh, I, I was actually using the world tree imagery too. Um, and uh, uh, so I'm, I'm kind of projecting a lot of my own ideas for how to do that onto this game. But um, yeah, that, that was something I wanted to do. I have multiple world trees as well. So um, I, I feel happens, like maybe, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're um, tapping into a similar vein here. Oh, and no, also absolutely. with the, uh, the 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 class uh, conflict theme and yeah. stuff. Well, um, one yeah. thing as well I wanted to mention just very quickly, like throughout the sort throughout well, throughout the story itself. Oh, I've just found a couple of images here for you guys, just so I can share these. Waiting for them to load. All right, cool. But yeah, sorry. One one thing which I just wanted to mention: there are multiple different ways to like access the the final boss like area of the game. But one cool thing which I liked was the fact that. That place, that that uh, main goal is called the Stormvale Castle, and that castle in and of itself, like it is sort of a, it's it's placed up much higher on the map than you think. So you start near the bottom, and it's quite like low down, and you have to sort of like work your way up slowly. But 
as you work your way up slowly, as you go through all of the areas and stuff like that, you find yourself sort of going and getting higher up and higher up and higher up and then going a bit lower and then going a bit lower. Like the verticality of the level design is just really interesting. Like you find yourself climbing on top of like structures and buildings and jumping up and finding these uh, ruined fragments which you can pick up and like utilize. And you end up getting these beautiful sweeping views across just vast areas of land and it reminds me of like this concept uh, basically it's called the the sublime basically it's a it's an it's an aesthetic and it refers to a quality of greatness or it it can be like physical moral uh, intellectual metaphysical aesthetic or spiritual artistic but the term generally refers to like or especially refers to greatness beyond all possibility of calculation measurement or imitation and there was this really cool piece of art uh, it's a uh, Caspar David uh, Frederick's uh, Wanderer Above the Sea of Fog uh, from, 18, uh, from 1817. And it's one of the most cool images that I've like ever seen. I've, I've been looking at it for many years now and stuff. But oh, yeah. this it's a beautiful moment painting. here, this moment here, yeah, it, it happens so many times in the game. Like you can uh-huh. just stand on, on, on top of any structure and you'll feel like that just looking around. Like it's it's ridiculous. So I was talking to my friends whilst I was playing it, whilst um, I was with them on Discord and we would just be chatting about it. And I would just be telling them, hey, like when this game comes out, you guys are going to have a good time because like we all love these aesthetics and we all love this uh, this artistic approach that they've taken. But yeah, in terms of the uh, the weather effects, just to go back to what Andy was saying about the, the, the sky and, and the sun, it would sometimes just start raining and it would sometimes start like blustering. And there are areas where, for example, there's a giant storm and they've just got like lots of lightning coming down and the wind is just buffeting everything in such a just a vicious and like ravaging way and sense. It's absolutely just, yeah, it, it's superb the way in which they've they've uh, intertwined like so many real world like you know weather effects and the way the sun would come through the trees in some places it was it was beautiful i took a few photos i'm going to try and find them now but like yeah i had such a good time just looking um, at the world it's just beautiful so in the game does the name uh marika come up uh yes yes uh there there are these uh these these statues yeah statues of america i think they say yeah in, in elden ring it's basically um, what 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 was the word for it again? So when you when you when you die in 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 the world of Elden Ring, you have the chance to either go to uh, a site of grace or or a Marika statue, and they're kind of like checkpoints between checkpoints in a sense, and they're normally found just in a certain area near a near a boss area, basically, or near a dungeon. Yeah. Yeah, and they, and they they look like this too. They they look like these outstretched arms. Which also look like the look like the like a crucifix in a sense. So there's like light coming down to it. Yeah. Um, um not not to not to those, but to the to the sides of grace, yes. So for example, like when you're looking for new areas and stuff, when you when you're sorry, when you're exploring new areas, you will you will typically find like a like a a site of grace that is kind of like has this wispy yellowish goldish energy that's connected to the earth tree or or to, or to a nearby earth tree, I should say. Yeah. So yeah, that that's one way in which they're kind of like I guess telling you where to go or where to look, because if you you know if you follow enough of those um, if you follow enough of those uh, light beams, also that they they are quite you know in essence god rays I suppose you could call them. If you follow enough of those, you'll end up finding a new site of grace for sure. Oh oh, by the way, uh, Erd, 
uh, Erd tree, right? Uh, the Erd is uh, that's the name for one of the Norns in uh, Norse mythology. Yes. So, yes, we did it, guys. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 we did yeah, it. It's really cool. <laughs> Direct <laughs> connection. We brought it back around. <laughs> yeah. it back around. I, I think yeah. Marika can be spelled in Japanese as round sun. Oh, okay. So if there's a sun goddess that's like uh, Amaterasu in in Japan, and then uh, Fusang is an island east of China, and like some interpreted it as like, oh, is that Japan? Which is then given the name the land of the rising sun. Mm. Ah. Wow. That's so cool. Wow. Yeah, that's wild. See, th th this is one of the coolest things as well because, um, yeah, as oh, we all um, as we all know, wait, um, the, the, the the praise the sun has always has always been in the dark yeah, soul, yeah. sort of you know like area. Yeah. They've always been very specific about this. So to see it come back around again in a different way is very cool. And then um, when Snorri was uh, recording the you know writing down the Eddas, he interpreted uh, Aesir, the Norse gods, as Asia. He believed they were some group that came from Asia ah. long ago. Okay. That's oh yeah, like the like the Huns, right? There, there's a um, <laughs> that that was when when we did the Halloween recording. I I, I referenced a, a book I read as a kid uh, about the the oh. white stag that led uh, the Huns into oh, yeah, uh, Europe yeah, yeah. from Central Asia. <laughs> I was riffing off of that, and um, yeah, I guess that that relates to this, you know, what we're talking about here too, chasing the Absolutely. white stag into new lands, um, and and you know, Fusang and these other places, they have a lot of stag imagery associated with them too. Absolutely, yeah. and it's quite cool as well because like Torrent, the the steed, it's kind of he's kind of like a he's like a stag of sorts, but like not. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know, I don't know what he like is or what like uh, he or she like the animal like, is but it's kind of cool because i've never seen anything like this before and i'm just really excited just i i love the fact that we get to you know have a you know mounted combat now and the fact that you get to do double jumps and stuff and like ride on these giant yeah. you know like wind um wind shoots that sort of like shoot you up into the air really high in a really cool way it's just yeah yeah super super intriguing um by the way aj um the when you played the game you didn't find any did you find any enemies riding a horned steed um, or is it only the protagonist skin. with Torrent? I, yeah, it's only the protagonist. Yeah, you you'll only find um you'll only find the protagonist riding something like a Torrent. You will find other enemies with like horse horse enemies and stuff. You will absolutely find that for sure. There's um there's a there's a a lot of enemies in different areas that have these giant shields and these giant um these giant spears or these big big swords. For example, there are these other like bloody wolves that like that are, you know, not actual wolves, but that's what they're called. They're they're these giant uh, warrior people and they are quite, you know, they they're like human beings but just like a little bit bigger. But they have these big swords, spears, yeah. like, they knock you off your horse and they can like instant kill you. But yeah, they they also ride horses and they they live in like camps and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, if we look, only the main character has a horn steed. Uh, yeah. Then, from what is I've seen so far, anyway. Like in Hindu texts, it's uh, Shiva rides, you know, the cow Nandi, 
And Shiva's role mm, is to, ah. um, or one of his roles is to destroy the old world so a new one can be born. Um, Whoa. Now, wow. But um, we'll have to see like how much more, you know, stuff connects. Well, I, I, I just want to say lots of things. Yeah, sure. But I, to support that, uh, if you watch the the, the reveal trailer, uh, it's clear you you you're the only one on a horn steed. Everyone else is on a fancy looking horse, and in fact, the first uh, combat that you see is uh, the main character on uh, what's its name, Torrent or something? Oh, torrent, torrent. Yeah, like, like torrent. a torrent of water. Yeah. Oh, torrent. Oh, okay, I thought it was yeah, like yeah, yeah. Tor- like Taurus. Oh, torrent. Oh, okay, torrent. okay. okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, <don't laughs> no, no, no. I, I wonder if they were riffing off of that even, you know, the, the mm. homonym. But um, Could. yeah, one of the first things you see in the trailer, the first attack you see is the character on the horned steed doing a ascending strike. Like the, the their sword is dragging on the ground, causing sparks, yes. and then it rises up and it cuts down this you know hoity-toity looking fancy uh nobleman in his full regalia right while you're dressed like a furry uh viking yeah that's also really cool as well because like that's one of the the methods of attack basically you have these really really cool abilities where you can choose what side you want to attack on so for example when you're riding torrent you can you can have a what was it it's l it's l1 and like r1 and stuff for to do like these attacks for either side and you get to choose which weapon you want to use and stuff and you can have multiple different swings you can have for example i used a lance for a lot of my fighting so i had this like sort of like jousting element to fighting where if i wanted to i could hold down r2 and then do this really cool sort of like sprint with a, with my with my steed and then do like a big joust attack and I could knock people down or I could stab them with the lance pole and just yeah there, there are lots of different ways to 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 fight you can you can cast magic whilst you're on your horse you can throw you can you can throw en- um, items at enemies while you're on your horse you can shoot arrows while you're on your horse you can swing your sword when you're on your horse and the dragging attack that you mentioned that's a that's a really cool attack because you get to yeah you have an active hitbox whilst you're actually riding as well so for example like the actual dragging of that sword weapon or of the or of any weapon mm-hmm. that's like long like that that does damage to the enemies if it hits them so you can just if oh. you want to you can do you can just drag the sword through a through a crowd of enemies and oh. every one of the enemies that it hits it will do damage and then on the upswing you'll do extra damage if you hit anybody so it's, it's like oh, a multi-attack nice. So it's really interesting that they decided to do it, that. Is it a charge attack? Is it like do you just hold it, it down? Kind of, yeah. You, you can hold, you can you can hold it down, but you can also you can tap it as well if you if you wanted to. Typically, oh, okay. what I would do, I I would hold it down if I had my sword out. I would just hold it down and then I would try and time it so that when the upswing occurred, it would be hitting like an enemy just on the outside yeah. of the of the group that I was riding through. How, yeah, how do you really trigger the myself. upswing? Oh, uh, you you trigger the upswing by letting go. So it it let well, yeah, once yeah, you let yeah. go. Yeah, it, it yeah. swing it swings so, the sword okay. up. Yeah, I, I ask just because I I love charge attacks involving holding the button down. You know, yeah, whether yeah. it's like Mega Man's uh, you know uh, charge charging blast or like the uh, you know uh, Zelda oh, or the 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 Dreamcast or PS2 Berserk games or Secret of Mana. I just that's one of my favorite video game things. It's just very viscerally Absolutely. satisfying. Oh, um, that's great. Note on Absolutely. Secret of Mana, like uh, all the darks, all the uh, 
All of the from software famous games, including Armored Core, have a stamina system. Oh. And yeah. Secret of Mana on the Super Nintendo is seen as the first stamina system as we know to limit attacks. Yeah, actually, I can't think of an older game than that. Um, there's different mechanics, like Punch-Out on the NES had a stamina system where if you miss and if you get blocked and, and if you block, then right, you, right, right. Dodge, you get tired. Like, you have to get, yeah, you have to rest. But, um, yeah. you know, Secret of Mana 1, or, wait, I guess 2, yeah. Uh, Second and Death 2. 2, Secret two. of Mana 1. Yeah, was the first to do it in um, the way we know it now. You know, a bar that refills. Yeah. Okay. That is a fun side note. Yeah, it's just it's so cool to see the ways in which they've put all of these things together. Because me personally, like I hadn't really, I, I didn't really mention this much, but I hadn't played any of their prior games through to completion like, i've just not done that i've played little like a, a small bit and piece of a of, of like a dark souls like three uh, like a demo event years ago back before it came out even like i played like about maybe half an hour's worth of that but that was very enjoyable that was fun but but it, i was never like you know super into it like i don't have sakura yet i've not played that yet i do own bloodborne i've played like a, like a very again a minuscule slice of that for like maybe like 15 minutes like not a lot of it but I've, I've always had these games on my list you know but like now that i've actually played like elden ring i was just chatting with my friends who have all you know been really interested in, in games like they saw these very specific games one of my best friends like michelle he played through all, all of these games in order so he just went through dark souls one two three bloodborne Sekiro. like he went through all of them just like mm. and he's gonna play elden ring too but yeah just like hearing what it is that he had to say like about it and stuff and being able to finally like experience one of these types of games like on my own like it's going to be really enjoyable and just seeing yeah. seeing the <clears throat> culmination of all of their work and stuff i think it'll be really nice to experience this and kind of like work backwards after it'll be cool yeah um, oh yeah I think, and then those I games think in games order hold up yeah um you know we can look at uh what's the theme of like of like corruption and what is what is the the corruption the main character has you know dark souls is your soul, there's something wrong with it. You're not dying. And your motivation is, well, you were killed. Now you're back. And like, it's your soul itself is uh, somehow impure. Bloodborne, you know, the premise is you went to this strange city for some kind of treatment. Uh, you know, maybe there was something wrong with your bodily health, but now your blood is uh, tainted through this injection. And then with Elden Ring, it's uh, you're called tarnished. You are impure. You do have some gold in you, I guess, but not you're not pure gold. But the wording in Elden mm. Ring, it's instead of something that uh, you know, blood and souls, like uh, something intrinsic to your person. Gold is like something outside of you know a human or most living things, I guess, and. So it's gold is something perhaps that's it, that's acquired. Like, are they digging for gold? Uh, is are the roots of the tree like? Do they eat gold? Like, are the trees sucking mm. gold out of the earth? So it's acquiring something mm. that is outside of you know 
your own soul purity or your own blood. Even in Bloodborne and Dark Souls, like uh, character story customization basically doesn't exist outside of your own, you know, satisfaction with what you started with. But you can start as, you know, a, a noble or or someone from upper class, but everyone is kind of equalized in death or uh, evading death. But um, in in Elden Ring, like uh, the, the names of the classes, like Prophet, Bloody Wolf, Champion, you know, um, they all seem pretty. Like it's not like uh, Bloodborne or Dark Souls where you have like a noble character or a a right. homeless character. Or no yeah, there's a, a hobo class for you. Particular. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're all characters that you could say uh, acquire money by different ways. A bloody wolf, well, you're a Viking raider. A champion, well, maybe you're you're paid to fight, or you've earned it through fighting. Uh, the warrior yeah. and the knight, they're kind of generic. The prophet. That can Religious. exist outside of a wealth system, but then you know, prophets get lots of followers, and then temples built through donation. I, mm-hmm. I, yeah. Sorry, um, do you do you want to say more? Can I can I expand on this? Yeah, yeah. I just go for go for my thought train. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So so going going back to this trailer that I <laughs> poured a hundred hours into studying. <laughs> The the next thing that you, uh, later on in the trailer, right? Um, when uh, there's a sequence where it shows the character just exploring different places, exploring ruins, like traversing this world, right? And then uh, when it says, you know, uh, you you hear uh, you hear this lord speaking to you, right? In the trailer, it's this foul, tarnished, right? And then when when you hear that, you see you're in this room. It's a pretty fancy looking dining hall and there's flayed skins hanging from, you know, the ceiling and there's like a, a opulent looking oil painting on the wall. So that's definitely like a high class place. And he's not just you're not just tarnished. He's foul. Right. He's calling you foul. Right. And then, um, you know, as as he's giving his his speech, you see the character exploring different places and you see him fighting an enemy. Uh, the the narration goes on, right? It says you're in search of the Elden Ring, and when you hear that, you see the character stumble across um, some weird, you know, mishmash chimeric Frankenstein monster, like what AJ was saying about uh, uh, just these 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 things that are mashed together from body parts. Um, you, it's like a human centipede, and it's wearing a crown, right? So it's 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 all decrepit looking, but it's got a golden crown so it's like it, it's got this sort of royal looking imagery and then the voiceover says emboldened by the flame of ambition as you hear that you, you see this tarnished guy killing this you know this uh this effigy of a king right like and then and then it cuts to the character after conquering this dungeon you're back up on the surface and he's approaching this castle and there's very imposing looking walls Right, there's a big ch- gate. It's shut, and then all of a sudden, um, you see a character fall out of the sky, 
right? He doesn't even wait for you to go through the doors, right? You, you are the foul tarnished. You're not even allowed in his home. He's jumped over the walls. He lands on his doorstep. And that's when he says, someone must extinguish thy flame. And this is the first time you see a true Lord, right? And this guy, um, he doesn't have, he doesn't need to wear a crown. He has a natural crown of horns. He has horns coming out of his head, forming a crown like from his body. And he, he he's gigantic. He's got like a scorpion's tail. And um, he comes at you super aggressively. I think Adam was touching on this earlier, right? I, I think this is one of the boss fights you experience, right? Where the guy calls you foul. He thinks you're Absolutely. beneath him, right? Yeah, then, this, guy's then, called, when you actually, this guy's called Mark the Fell, yeah. He's crazy. <laughs> okay. Okay, so what I think is really interesting is what you said. Um, what, when you said when you actually start give, giving him a good fight, he's like, oh, you know, you must have, like, some good blood in you, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's crazy to me, right? Because um, but, but just riffing off of what, what, what everyone's been talking about, right? Andy's saying the character classes in this, they are not – uh, birthright classes you're you're not like a noble they're, they're all like occupations they're all things that you have to work your way up and then so i think the theme of the game is you're tarnished you're working your way up from the bottom and the idea that a commoner can just through through real actual bootstrapping not being born into it like that they can challenge the lords that destroys this guy's worldview. He cannot accept that. But in, in his weird way, his his only way of paying you actual respect is to say like, oh, well, you must have good blood in you like me, right? You can't be some commoner, right? Because that's that's amazing characterization to me. That's, exactly, just, yeah. Yeah, just to, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite amazing. Just because, like, he he says it like every time that you get to that to that position and stuff. But like, mm -hmm. you 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 see it change because like once that occurs, he starts fighting you even harder. Like he starts bringing out more technical moves. He's in the second phase now, so he starts just moving quicker as well. You can see in the way that he begins his fight at the very start even at the very start of the you know phase one he's his attacks are much more sluggish they're much more slow but not only are they they're not it's not even just sluggish i suppose it's like they're, they're he has like a malaise about him he has like like he mm. can't be bothered to kind of fight you properly in a sense and then as ah. soon as you get to that to that to start of that second phase he starts whipping out other moves he starts like throwing projectiles at you he starts you know like utilizing this area of magic which he wasn't really going all out in before yeah and now he starts conjuring up this giant you know energy spirit hammer he starts trying to bash yeah. it with that he starts like really whipping out the uh, the moves with his tail he starts doing like more jumping and spinning attacks and some of his motions and moves they go on for like five six seven eight nine hits so you've just got to block 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 dodge block 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 move block it's not like it's you you can't just you know just stand there and just try and expect for him to just be done in one or two strikes anymore he will just okay. keep going and going and going it's very very yeah. interesting hey yeah i i want to ask you uh, adam because you 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 are a professional fighter too um on top of being a game developer pixel artist ha does this remind you of like any experiences you've had like in, in in your fighting career like have you ever gone against someone and then like you do something and then you, you, you oh, it's like, oh, okay, you woke him up. You got their attention. Absolutely. I, I do have one of these stories. Okay. So the, I'll, I'll, I'll shorten this, but for anyone in the okay. Taekwondo world or whatever, you'll probably know who Aaron Cook is. 
Um, Aaron Cook was at one point like the world number one uh, in our weight weight category in class, and he's also been a, well, a champion of numerous numerous different tournaments and is very very popular, you know, a sports person for our, our sport. Uh, Aaron Cook came to an open workout at a gym of mine in Manchester back in 2013 when I was 17, and we we met the year prior at the Olympics in 2012, and we spoke and chat, introduced myself to him, and all that stuff. It's cool. I was a bit starstruck at the time back when. I was like, you know, younger, and I decided to go up to him and speak with speak with him with my sister, and then we said hello, all that stuff. Yeah, and I shook his hand and said, "Hey, I'll see you in the future. See you soon, whatever." And we sort of took took a moment, laughed a little bit, and then like, we left. A year later, he came to our gym and we sparred, and I didn't expect to spar him like that day because I didn't really expect for that nice. to like, like, happen or whatever. But like we were, to, yeah, was, we were just like working out together and stuff like that, and then like we got like we uh, we we got to. Um, you know, the our other end of the gym and I was with some of the juniors and seniors and then I was with the seniors again. And then I got into like the uh, the, the upper senior group, basically, because uh, I was very capable of fighting back then. But my coach, uh, Mark Richardson, he called me over and he called Aaron over and he was like, all right, you two can have like a serious spa now. So let's uh, let's get you guys ready. And he said uh, to Aaron, he's like, OK, this kid, like he's, uh, he's, he's, he's doing OK, but like, yeah, don't uh, don't hold back, basically. Just make sure that if you're going to fight him, like treat him like the future, Try, treat him like, you know, like you would treat an opponent, basically. And he did. So we had like a really rough spa and it was a lot of, was a lot of fun. And I learned a lot in that. But to, to uh, bring the story full circle, in a sense, uh, there was a moment in there where we were sparring and like, I kicked him like in the in the face very cleanly. And then, like, everyone was kind of like, whoa, whoa, that kind of, like, happened for a second. Like, wow. <laughs> and then, like, I remember very specifically him sort of, like, shake himself off a little bit and then be like, okay, all right, now we can spar for real. And I was like, oh, well, like, <laughs> okay. Like, like now I actually have to, like, really, like, back this up for whatever. And I did, and it was a lot of fun. And, like, we had a really, really good time. But, like, yeah, like, that moment, it reminds me of that Margit the Fell fight, in a sense. Because, yeah, he doesn't take you all that seriously at the start. And then, like, after that moment, you just become, you know, well, it's it's like it's like what it is. I said like uh, earlier on in the fight, he he sort of switches on. It's like what you said. He, he gets woken up in a sense, and then from that moment onward, yeah, just um, a completely different like focused fight. So yeah, you, you yeah. see that often a lot of the time in, in martial arts, not only just in my sport in taekwondo, but in a variety of different things. You, you see moments that wake up the other fighter that makes someone have to really you know switch their head on or, or as we'd say just you know the, the wake up punch or kick that gets delivered because it's the shots that you don't see that end up knocking you out or that end up knocking someone out and yeah it's it's one of those you know things which you have to you have to always make sure that you're switched on for and you can't afford to not uh, be switched on for so to say that someone only you know really truly switches on halfway through a fight as they do in this game it speaks volumes about how it is that they viewed you going into that exchange and going into that encounter with you yeah wow <laughs> yeah, yeah awesome thanks for sharing that absolutely absolutely i i, I have to see if i can uh, i do have like some photos of that of that whole deal but like i think i showed you like a while ago but yeah like uh it's a it's a true story, real real life things, but yeah, they've all got they've all got their uh, influences with regards to how it is that we see the fights in these games. Because I'm telling you guys, like when we'll I think when when the game does come out, we'll have another big podcast and like discussion about it. We'll we'll oh, put yeah, some hours sure. in and then we'll have a we'll have a think about it. But I would love yeah. to hear all of yours, all of your guys' opinions on it because I want to I want to hear Sean breaking down all of the theology. I want to hear Andy talking about all of the weapons and how it is that he'd use them in real life. I want to hear you talking about the art as well. Yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's <clears throat> looking forward to that. <laughs> I've been enjoying this so much. I'm I'm already like, you know, uh, looking forward to the next podcast about this. If yeah. I know anything about from software, it's we could talk about one character design for the entire podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So there's one last main the thematic thing that I want to discuss. Um, and, and then we could just go, you know, just take it from there. Um, this is my last thing I, I wanted to talk about personally um, uh, or, or specifically. Uh, so the tree imagery, right? Uh, the, um, the tree of life, the, uh, the Nord, or sorry, not the, um, the, the Erd trees. Uh, I, I think it's really cool. What, okay, well, so this is what I, I thought they were going to do with it based on the trailer. And, and this is also me projecting. I'm, I'm, um, and if, I, I've been writing a game for a while. If, if it turns out having a, a similar, um, similar imagery and plot to, uh, to, to, to Elden Ring, just please, please know <laughs> it's, it's parallel, uh, evolution. Like I, I did not, take it from this game. But um, this is me projecting as a writer. I thought, uh, so typically in these games, when you have a tree, right? When you have the Yggdrasil, this holy tree, it, it is a positive um, thing, right? It, it, it's like a holy tree. You know, it's like the the mana tree. It gives everything life, right? Right? And and then within it's this your, game... Uh, sand submarine. Yeah. Xeno. Oh, yeah. right. Was that called Yggdrasil? Yeah. Oh, it was. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's this. It's a positive thing. It carries you through the world, right? Um, so I, 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 what I expect from uh, Elden Ring, though, is, um, you know, they have this idea of the Golden Order, right? It's broken. You, you see the, the tree is one of their symbols. I think they're flipping that. I, I think they're using the tree as a metaphor for <laughs> society. Um, where it is all about, you're made to, uh, um, you know, obviously like you're made to worship this order, uh, just for the sake of uh, peace. Right. Um, it, this is common in all cultures and all, all governments and stuff. You, 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 I, I think it's, uh, you know, this tree, this tree of life is actually extracting the wealth <laughs> from everyone and then delivering it just to the nobles. I, I think that's pretty. I'm, I'm very sure that's what's happening in this game, right? The lords. I think the tree is extracting like, life yeah. from the earth, and then hoarding it uh, for 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 the uh, the lords. And I, I feel like maybe the tarnished and this, you know, this imagery of like forcing people to dig and stuff. Like like you're 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 out there to like smash the system. That's that's the that's my the feeling I got from just everything I've seen of the game. Absolutely. It, the, the one thing that I forgot to mention too is the fact that like they don't only just like it, it's not like they just think it they they say it to you do you know what I mean like they don't mm. just call you like tarnished it's like foul tarnished and I think it'll be interesting to see how that's continued because everybody in the world in in um, in the world of Elden Ring that you speak to they mention that you're tarnished first it's like a conversation opener it's odd it's like mm. oh like you're tarnished and it's just like bro like why like, like why 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 do, why, why do you need to well why do you need to go there do you know it's like well there's a there's a there's a merchant called Calais and um yeah they, they are somebody who helps you out with regards to you know buying your first, uh, 
buying some of your first important equipment and items, right? And they help you with a crafting kit. They help teach you a little bit about the world. They give you some extra information. They give you your first spirits that you can get. They help you out with the blacksmithing and strengthening your items. They, they help you out a lot. But the first thing that they say to you is, oh, like you're you're tarnished. But hopefully like you're kind of like, oh, one of the, the nice ones it looks like because like you're not oh, after man. my heart. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's just like, you, he's so instantly sort of like used to saying this. But again, like in this world, I guess the tarnished are kind of like, they are again, just like always searching for, you know, like something useful or something helpful to them. And in his experience with, I guess, like tarnished as a, as people, like they must not have been so good because like, that's what he opens up with. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's just really interesting to hear how, how these people experiences with tarnished, um, as people, they just like are so open like with that. And again, it's not always in a negative like sense. Well, no, it is like a negative thing, like I suppose to espouse. But like, it's not always meant in a negative sense, which is interesting because again, well, we it, see that of course in so many different ways with regards to how it yeah. is that we interact with like racism and how it's we interact with sexism and classism and transphobia. Right. It's so, just so normalized things. to think that way. Exactly, right? exactly, exactly. So it's yeah. like. The fact that like not only and it's not only him that says that either there's another person in the Stormvale castle and they say oh like you're tarnished aren't you and it's just like it's yeah it's really interesting just to have this um said so specifically i'd say it's yeah because you you don't always hear it like that you, you don't always hear hear it um opened up with in the middle or oh, sorry in the middle at the very start of a of an npc interaction yeah hmm Okay. Um, so I was looking at a screenshot. There's a character that says, asks you if you know what grace is, and it says it's the rays of gold that give life to you tarnish. Grace? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, good so, grace, grace, yeah. Mm. Then, um, like, how is grace connected with uh, being tarnished? Do they mention more of that? In the the beta test, or the um, okay, so test, yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good question. So, for example, um, Grace, it seems to be kind of like what it is that connects all of the different uh, the sites of Grace like together. It looks as though Grace is kind of like the the spirit that's kind of like oozing out of like the world itself. So, for example, like when you look at like the tree. I would say personally, this isn't like confirmed, confirmed, but I would say it's like it's grace that's like coming off of it. So it's mm. not like a, it doesn't seem to be like a tangible thing. It's more so like the actual uh, the effect or the the aura, if you will, that that's coming that's coming from it. So that's what it is that they're talking about. Yeah. I, I just wanted to add something that I think is thematic. What we're talking about is that in the general definition, especially in religion, of the term grace, generally it's understood to be the opposite of karma. Karma being getting something that you deserve. Grace tends to be getting something good that you don't deserve. I mm. see. Okay. Which is kind of, to, to your point, it's kind of underhanded if you think about the context they're using it in. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, it, it, well said there as well. Huh. Like, that's the thing. It's like, it's always, um, it's always underhanded in this world. For example, one of the first things that this guy, that one of the guys says to you in the world, he says, oh, you're maidenless. Like you, he kind of gives you a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a uh, what was the word for it again? He just insults you a lot, and he says like, "Oh, feel free to go like die in a ditch somewhere." And it's just like that's one of the first things like a character says to you like in the world. Like everyone's just mean, like they're just rude. Like it's just it's quite funny even just to hear how just open 
uh, how open they are with like, their dislike towards like you as a as a character in the world and like it seems as though it's for no reason and like yeah, like pretty, pretty much just kind of is because like you're not really you're not attacking or fighting these people first. You're just walking up to them and asking questions, or you're just trying to spark conversation. And like they are very much uh, upfront with their kind of like dislike or disapproval of you and like your your journey or what it is that they you know uh, think that 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 you're about or what it is that they think that you are. Just a lot of preconceived notions that are in essence just thrown about handily and easily and readily it's quite interesting if you think uh, a lot about the the way that the concept of grace is used not just in the the game here but elsewhere it really is doubling down on the the class idea we're talking because it the implication even in current religion even though it's it's formed as a positive thing is like the grace of god type of idea is basically saying um you are not worthy of this but god gives it to you anyway and i think that's the same kind of thing they're saying here which is that um talking about the the tarnished being pulled up by grace like the it's really reinforcing that they are not worthy of the power they've been given or the chance they've been given and that's something that they believe so i, yeah. I think there's a very intentional use of that word yeah the absolutely the gold has been tarnished but it still is gold and it had to begin as gold hmm. I wonder, like, how it's written in Japanese, like, if they use kanji or, or could mm. give more information, maybe. I also wonder, yeah, like, no, you know, um, when they're writing this, is it, like, Miyazaki writing things in Japanese or, and then, like, someone chose it to George R. R. Martin or did he already, like, take a lot of nice words? I, I saw this um, a while ago, so there was an interview, I forget exactly what for specifically, but there was an interview and George R. R. Martin was talking about his involvement with uh, Elden Ring. And he said that, well, I think it, when, I think it was the interview from like this year or last year. It seems as though the interview was from, yeah. from 2019. Okay, so yeah, yeah. He, yeah, so he said that um, he hadn't worked on Elden Ring for a few years like at that point. So they must have had talks with him in about maybe, I'm thinking possibly like 2013, 2014, oh my maybe, God. 2015, maybe. Possibly, very possibly. And then he must have been somebody who they came to. He says that he did some work with them, wrote, did some writing, sent some scripts back and forth. But he brought them, he he, he was given um, different pieces of concept art and different bits of work to you know help write and stuff like that. But then he basically did that. And then didn't have like a prolonged bit of like you know involvement in the project from start to finish. It was only kind of like at the start, like spec writing type of a thing. This, this so, weirdly yeah. made me far more excited for Elden Ring because when I first heard about mm. it and it was like George R. R. Martin is you know joining forces with From Software, I was like, mm, that seems like it'll be cool, but I don't know if his narrative style, like most of the narratives he's known for, are very driven narratives with like a lot of political intertwining plot lines, which he's very good at. But I was like, well, but From Software is like dramatically known for environmental storytelling and not mm -hmm. doing that. So actually, when I heard this, where I was like, oh, he they really hired him and brought him in to help with with creating a very rich world that, that they can then build on and discover and bring things into. And he very much did that and then kind of pieced out and they only kind of consult him to make sure that it's aligns with the kind of underlying rich tapestry he built for the world to exist in. I was like. That is a perfect understanding of how to use his skill set in a way that works for how From Software develops games and how um, 
I mean, I mean, it's basically been the same game director for the last like six or seven games. So the the way he tells stories is very much that is building this this hyper detailed, very rich world, uh, and something that like is never explicit, really, really explained to you. But that's what Im- implies and imbues all of the detail. I- I've seen a couple things that people were saying like they're worried about the developers because the world, even the small slice of the data, is so big and so detailed. And I was like, well, that's just how From Software works. Everything starts there, and then they really trust the player to to explore and learn and pull out from the the backstory. But it's kind of like the reverse of going into a, like a movie or a game concept, not knowing what the backstory is, and then reverse engineering it. They like do it the other way around, which uh, yeah, kind of an interesting uh, aside that. Um, a lot of the early discussion around the development of uh, World of Warcraft centered on the development team, and this is kind of thing that's credited to Chris Metzen, of understanding that the main character of World of Warcraft is the world and not um, anything else. And I feel like that's a, an, a, an idea or a theme behind From Software's approach that is the same, right? Which is that ultimately the world and the lore is, is the main character, and they don't want to spoil it by hand feeding it to you they they want you to explore it they want you to enjoy all of the intricacy and the detail um and but it starts off with them having all of the the ingredients for you to pull from they don't they don't have to retroactively create it absolutely absolutely that and, that, and you know what that's one of the funniest things about this is the fact that like they have set this up in such a familiar way but at the same time, they've added in these new influences, of course, with it, with regards to you know gameplay changes. They've added in so many new different ways that mechanics work. Obviously, the inclusion of a jump button is going to change the game massively, and already has the attack, the the even ability to jump attack and to dodge into jump attack or jump attack and then dodge. It's just changing the game massively. But not only just that, it's the fact that they're doing so in a narrative sense. They're trying something new. And they are involving somebody who obviously has a massive, massive pedigree with regards to fiction writing, obviously, in George R. R. Martin. But at the same time, like, they did so in a way that still makes him, in his own words, like, um, what's the word for it? Someone who is going to be someone who's going to experience it with us, like a viewer, like a watcher, basically. Like, he's someone who's who's already said, like, he's in, he was involved with it, like, early on, but he's excited to see what comes of it. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, mm. when you've got somebody who has just done all of the things that he's done, and if he's excited, it's going to be something good, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's a lot of fun for him to start the story and then have someone else finish it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of his last published things was like a setting world book of um, his uh, Game of Thrones and it detailed like parts of the world that didn't show up in the novels or HBO like oh "Oh, these people ride zebras over here so he's probably having fun not having to uh, tie everything up at the end because everyone is waiting for that too yeah Um, hmm Yeah, that's um, one of the coolest things about this, really. Just one more thing, sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to just mention the fact that, like, these are these elements with regards to like story and stuff like that. Like, the fact that we'll get to experience this with like multiple players too. That's going to be a lot of fun. Just the fact that you'll have your friends walking around with you, or even random people. So, for example, there's um, there is an enemy that exists within this world 
and I forget their name right now. I'm going to try and find it very quickly. But they are basically someone who kind of like invades your like, world in in a sense, and they're very very like creepy and scary and like hard to deal with. I think it's, it's Yara the Bloody Finger. I believe they're called or something like that. But yeah, anyway though, like they are kind of um they're they're an inbuilt invasion and you have to fight them and like they're sort of getting you ready for for that you know any any moment in time if you obviously allowed for it to happen you could just be invaded and attacked and like that will change how people experience this game so much it'll just give people this you know this this feeling that like they're being watched or this feeling that at any moment they've got to be like on edge at certain times but also another cool thing about that is the fact that like you can have allies that can come and help you as well and like it's sort of you know as you would in the normal regular world it gives you this feeling as to this curiosity you don't know who you're going to bump into will you make a friend today will you make an enemy what's going to happen tomorrow what's going to happen at night time is that person over there who are they or or how have i just bumped into my new best friend in elden ring tomorrow do you know what i mean like it's going to be really interesting to see how that changes and affects the ways in which people interact with the world i think it's going to be really cool yeah oh, by the way in the um in playing Elden Ring, what is the the theme of the resurrection mechanic? Like, why does your character come back to life? Um. Okay. So that is something which I kind of like don't actually know. It's like they it, they it do, is like they I'm do, so good I never died. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, I, I definitely died. I definitely died quite a few times. Although I will. Okay, a little a little, a little baby flex. So I, I did beat Margit the Fell in just like ten minutes. So that was cool. Like it, it didn't take me right. too too long because I've I've seen some videos where, where it took some pe- people quite some time, but like I figured it out. But yeah, um, basically about the site of Lost Grace, um, they exist. Uh, they exist as like points that were kind of like bonfires in in prior games, to what I understand. So there were places where you would have like different sets of menus where you could either pass time, you could obviously you know like level up. You could have these uh, flasks that you have, so, so you could sorry, you could replenish these flasks that you have. I meant to say, so they they allow you to uh, distribute um, the number of uses in each of your flasks. So, for example, if you think of like Estus in prior games, you have these flasks flasks of tears now. So you have crimson tears, which are red; they're health based. And you have cerulean tears, which bring back your FP. So FP is kind of like mana in this game. So it allows you to cast spells and uh, just cast general magic effects. So yeah, it'll get you to refill those flasks. But when you touch a site of a uh, of grace, it says a uh, site of lost grace uh, restored, or is it was it site of lost grace found, or something like that that comes across the screen. But you find these different like you know um, luminous areas, and once you find different parts of them, you so once you find different different ones of them you can go to different parts of the map so you can you can fast travel to each one of those that you find so they kind of help you sort of establish and spread your own routes across the world kind of like what the earth tree is doing in a sense Ooh. so it lets you sort of move around every, yeah it lets you move around so much easier and you can find different ways to you know like get to different places for example there was something that i even found out just recently after playing just after watching other people's videos like if you if you use torrent and if you jump and like ride up one of the, um, so there are lots of buildings that are like halfway in the ground, half out of the ground. But if you actually like ride up one of them and then sort of like double jump off of a cliff, so so onto onto the edge of a cliff, you can get up onto this area where you kind of not. It's not that you're not supposed to go there, but because you can, but like you can get up onto this area which you would normally have to go a, a sort of longer way around and just like 
I love finding stuff like that because I love level design. Obviously, it's what I do. But also on top of that, like I love seeing that like these designers have been so specific in that they want you to explore more and that they want for you to you know really push the envelope and try and like find new ways to traverse the world with this new steed with the double jump that it has with these beautiful like ways that you can like traverse the world and stuff like that but yeah also one other thing as well which is kind of random like some people they've been kind of a, a little bit i guess like a, a sneaky quote-unquote and they found that ways to sort of like breach the out of bounds like areas and like i thought mm. that was really interesting too I didn't do so, obviously, because you know, gotta be, a, gotta be a good boy. But uh, yeah, like I, I had to, I had to check them out on YouTube, and like I'm telling you, like some of the things people have found, like there, I'm gonna send in an image of like the uh, of the map that's traversable at the moment. Basically, all the areas which you can traverse in this, you have to post it for the other people. But there's a big map of the area, and all of the areas where you can go, they're in green, so they're surrounded by green. But there are some areas where people, where some people were able to travel, that would put them so much further out of like the perceivable world. And it's just like I'm telling you all, like they've put a lot of hard work into this, these areas because like they're very expansive, like just mass, mass areas of land and full of trees and beaches and rocks and mountains. And yeah, I think it's going to be wonderful the world that they that they've got to offer. I was just just to speculate um, about the resurrection mechanic. I wonder if they're pulling more from Norse with the uh, Iron Hair Jar, kind of the mm -hmm. idea that like you wake every morning for battle type of idea. Ah, I think so. And I don't remember if in Norse mythology it's a dream that you wake up from, or it's just that basically no matter what what happens, if you die, you wake up the next day. But there might be something uh, mm. lying there in terms of. Maybe 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 we find out later why the um, the Erd trees are there. Maybe it, it's telegraphing that we are in fact in Valhalla, or something like that. It could be, could be. I I, I listen. I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised honestly, because I mean there is a lot of uh, spiritual imagery in this game, obviously. But like in terms of like, the enemies as well, like they have such interesting patterns of movement and motion like the ways in which they in engage with each other for example if you if you start if you startle an enemy it will actually you know be visibly kind of like oh who's that whoa before it actually starts to fight you it doesn't just run up and start hitting you or for example another another thing which i noticed as well um there are these trolls in in a, in, in various caves and these other sort of like demi humans if you will that's what they're called in the, in the world they're sort of like half human half beast but uh, they they clang their their clubs together or they bang clubs on shield and they, they they rally each other, you know, to fight. But if you, if you fight the uh, the largest of all of them and kill it and kill them, like all of the rest of them, they'll sort of like cower and put their hands up and they, and they won't fight mm. you anymore. And they'll kind of like shake and be a bit like timid and they'll they'll make sort of like noises and, and they'll sort of you know cower away from you. And it's like these are not just enemies; they they're, they're part of a community. They're part of a wider, you know, structure that exists within each other. For example, another one of these, uh, I think they're, I think they're called like mounted northern warriors or something like that. But um, the mounted northern mercenaries. There you go. Like they they exist in this world. People that have these giant like blades and stuff that you are in essence trying to you know avoid for the most part because like, they'll knock you off your steed and hurt you. But um, yeah, like these guys, like what it is that they do, they just chill out. They they ride their horses. They 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 um, sit down around bonfires and they cook and they talk and they you know they just they they, they exist in a camp of sorts in in a literal you know like sort of small stronghold and they don't bother you 
if you if you um if you stay away from them they don't actively come to you know hunt you down but if you get in their way they'll absolutely like just destroy you they have like wolves with them that they've like trained they have big weapons they have horses that they, that they ride another thing as well there's this camp uh in the in an area near this place called Stormhill and yeah like they they also have the same thing they have dogs they have these large sort of like larger dogs that aren't wolves but are very specifically like canine animals and like they fight you and they they'll bite you and they'll jump on you but when they're not doing that they'll they'll have a partner a human partner that they're with and they'll follow them and they'll, and they'll tell them and they'll walk around the camp together and they'll patrol so that whilst one's going one way the other will go the other way then they'll change and then whilst one's sitting down the other will like look around and then sit down and then look around again and they'll take turns on watch it's really interesting just to see the way that this all plays out in terms of not just enemies but like enemy communities i think that's going to be really interesting seeing the ways in which these enemies uh, intersect and interact with each other just the way that the world's built is it's already looking good oh man yeah that that yeah. sounds excellent it really is there's so yeah. much to say this is so cool <laughs> um, gold is such an important part of this story Uh, going back to the Chinese tree of life or divine tree uh, trade with Japan in the 700s Japan was known as a land of gold like they should be far away barbarians but when they went to the capital of Tang China they just paid for stuff with kilograms of gold because uh, the volcanic islands, you know, they brought up a lot of gold into the rivers flowing down from, you know, their volcanic mountains. Mm. So wow. I have a feeling that uh, there will be a very, like, Sekiro ancient China, Japan, or Hien, Japan feeling part of the game. And that might be like. That's really cool. That would, that would probably be, be the turning point. Like, you know, Dark Souls and Bloodborne, midway through, stuff changes a lot. Like, Bloodborne, yeah. especially, the theme of um, the game changes from, you know, uh, werewolf horror to, like, cosmic space horror. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's super cool. One, one last thing just to mention. There's actually an enemy called the, uh, the Stone Digger Troll. And, like... It's obviously this stone. It's been uh, digging in the ground basically, and it, it has been um, <laughs> just trying to find all of these different uh, types of minerals and materials and stuff. But all of the enemies surrounding that, again, they're doing a form of like manual labor. They're working in mines. Do you know what I mean? They have these pickaxes that they've got. They have these large uh, sort of like just mines and all of these different uh, crystals in the ground, crystals in the walls that they're trying to extract. But as you get deeper and deeper and deeper, like you start seeing actual gold. You start seeing actual oh. gold. Um, in the, Yeah, you start seeing actual gold in the, in the ground. I'm just going to try and find huh. an image because there's a... On the on the ground in the stone in 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 this um, stone digging trolls in stone digger trolls um in their lair I suppose like they have all of these different uh, what's the word for it different uh, adornments and bits of like jewelry and lots of uh, pieces of gold and like it looks like uh, just lots of coins on the ground like they, they you basically fight this enemy this giant in a in a pit of coins 
And it's like, Whoa. it's really interesting to see like the hoarding of wealth here in such a specific sense. Do you know what I mean? Like all of the, all of these characters are, are poor. All of these characters are struggling. And yet you were fighting an enemy literally like on money, like in, in the, in this cave. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, okay. So the stone digger trolls, they, they appeared in that earlier trailer, uh, briefly. I think these are the same characters, right? I, I just posted an image. They, oh, these are these are similar yeah, yeah. so to, to oh okay yourself, so that's so, not because yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, these the ones i just posted posted they um they look like work creatures they're they're humanoid yes, but yeah, yeah, they, exactly, they like exactly. have stuff staked through them they're pulling carts and exactly. and uh, notably their their faces look like tree roots so they mm. they look like giant mm. undead well, undead giants, but then they their faces yeah. look like roots, so maybe they're like ants. I thought it was a really interesting way to do like these tree people. So it's uh, honestly Ooh, I, that, that could be cool. That way that to do be an cool. Yeah. Yeah. So what what are that'd these guys cool. then? Okay, so check this out. These guys to me, I just called them giants. But okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I just called them giants. But uh, personally, though, they are <laughs> really really interesting because they've got a lot of different skills and abilities. So for example. Like they have swords on their backs that they just like, oh. utilize and like know how to fight with in some places. But in other places, they're very kind of like just you know like 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 you said here that like, they're forced into this uh, servitude of this uh, of this uh, oppressor class. It seems is forcing them to pull carriages and like that, that's put like stakes through their bodies that and they've tied those stakes to chains and they're making them you know do what it is that they kind of clearly don't want to be doing. One thing, one engagement that I had with a, a pair of these actually, that you, there's a pair of these, uh, of these, I'll call them giants for now, but there's a pair of these giants that are pulling this one carriage throughout the world, throughout the uh, network test that I played. And like, you have the option to try and fight them, but they do such massive damage when you get near them because they'll swipe at you, they'll stomp the ground and the ground will shake and it'll do damage. Or if they, if they stamp on you, you'll get hurt massively, but you can put them to sleep. And one thing that's interesting that, that happens if you do so, if you put one of them to sleep or if you kill one of them, the other one just kneels and it, and it won't move for the rest of the engagement until you kill it or until you just quit the game. It just won't move anymore because like, oh. they understand. Yeah, they, they understand that they can't pull the carriage without the other, but also it seems oh. like it's a respect thing as well. It seems as though like they don't want to go go on anymore without their you know friend or brother in arms or one of the same race in arms in a sense like they're in wow. this together till the end kind of a thing and even if you do kill the other one and if you start attacking the other one that's still alive because they always seem to come in pairs with these carriages it won't it won't fight you but if you fight them both together they'll both try and fight you so it's like it's really interesting the way in which that worked yeah really really cool okay do these uh the trolls do they have like stuff nailed into them um not always oh, oh sorry, sorry sorry these are called trolls i'll say i called them giants but i just found out for myself right now they're called trolls but yeah so basically yeah these are these trolls i suppose yeah so they are they are this they, they are the same as species but i think the stone digging one i think that one is different because it looks a bit older it's a slightly different color looks a bit more broken I think 
So I think that one's uh, that one specifically uh specifically for um what what, what would you call it uh, digging I suppose like quite literally. Yeah. But it would it would appear to me then that they've got like different you know again like sort of like class roles within the society right like one of them is for pulling carriages one yeah. is in, one of them is for terraforming and digging the land. So the like, ones with but um, again like the, mm-hmm. the pulling the carriages one like there's a they're chained to the carriage with a nail through their torso through their body yeah but yeah. they're not even they're not even all like that yeah so you, oh, you'll really? find like a bunch of them in their in, in their like natural habitat i suppose and that is up in the place called Stormhill. and like yeah. there's just a bunch of them in this area and yeah they're, they're just sort of like roaming free like they they just they're just literally just roaming free. Some of them are sat down. Some of them it looks like they're kind of like talking with each other. Some of them mm. are just they're not bothering each other. But one thing that is interesting, if you sort of um, if you sort of uh, kite them around and like sort of like make them hit each other, they'll do damage to each other. And that you can actually do this in such a way that you can make them like fight each other in a sense, and they'll kill each other just by trying to swing at you. So if you run if you run past one of them and one of them just like a late timed attack towards you where you were and strikes the other one that will cause like the other one to hit that other troll so that'll do damage to them and then you can keep making that interaction occur and they'll keep swinging or they'll keep you know stomping or they'll keep doing all sorts of things all manner of attacks oh and yeah it, it's really interesting to watch does that happen with other enemies too like they uh they they can hit each yeah. other great yeah yeah there, there, there's a bunch of crabs for example that appear from like the ground and like it's like a, it's like a crab ambush if you will it's a <laughs> it's quite ridiculous i'll i'll send you a, i'll send you a video right now yeah. it I forget is if, ridiculous like, every how bloodborne are. or dark souls enemy does that but i do remember some huge enemies crushing like smaller enemies just because like they were in the way mm. see yeah absolutely and, um... yeah so i, I just put like... in a video here Okay. Yeah, just, just just check that out. But for anyone who's obviously for everyone who wants to know, if you just type in um just like Elden Ring uh, crabs on a uh, YouTube, yeah, you'll see exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, there are these yeah. crabs that like erupt from the ground. This is this muddy sort of like embankment, and like they chase you, and they're incredibly fast. And even if you're on your your, your torrent steed, you still you know you gotta make it or break it. You gotta really just start getting away from them because like they'll start beating you with their with their claws, and that does massive damage. But also they they can spray you with like a mouth foam, like a kind of sea foam that comes out of their mouth. Like a it's like they're using water gun, like a squirtle in Pokemon or something. It's quite ridiculous, but like they, they sort of shoot that liquid at you and that does damage too. So yeah, they have like these different attacking stances where like they can fight you kind of like square on or they can fight you sideways. It's really interesting the way that they've made these these uh these enemies. And then they've got that interaction for all of the enemies. Like bats fight you at nighttime, but also sometimes in the day if you disturb them. But it's really interesting as to see how, how they work. Um, there are these really weird enemies that are like these giant uh, circular like orbs, basically. They have these really weird vibes and they've just got these really odd ways of, of moving. It's, it's really, really cool. They're like these uh, stone... Um, what's, what's the word for it? They're, they're, they're like these uh, like stone statues, basically. And they have these really interesting sets of attacks. But on top of all of that as well, they're spherical and they're kind of like magnetic. 
So like the imagine if you had, for example, um, like snooker balls, right, or, or pool balls, right. Imagine if you had like a bunch of those, or bowling balls, about better example, bowling balls. Imagine if a bunch of bowling balls were like magnetic, and like they all stuck together, and then imagine if all of those balls were like a sentient like organism, and like they would like swing and like attack you and stuff like that. Like think about how that how that would like look, just like a, a line of like eight to ten bowling balls like high trying to like attack you as like a worm but they're all like magnetically stuck together that's an enemy in this game it's such an interesting and strange thing and then when you when you attack it and when you kill it like all of the balls that they break apart and like they and they don't and they're not magnetized anymore and they just roll away it's it's so odd hmm. okay. um, by the way um uh, do they ever have descriptions of the enemies at some point in the game like when i look I at the um the texture life wiki it has like these this quotation for like entries like the troll the trolls of the land between like i'm just wondering where they get them from was that yeah i i me personally i didn't, I didn't see those in, i yeah. i didn't see those like uh Maybe. in the game because like, I, I i wasn't i wasn't really looking and read and, and reading too too much i was just playing i was just <laughs> i was just having such a fun time in the world and stuff but I, I think that there, pro there probably will be. I, I think that's something that I could definitely see uh, occurring there for sure. Yeah, I guess, I don't know, maybe it's on the website. Like, oh yeah, there's maybe. there's still websites outside of social media stuff. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, but just last thing to say on that then, just uh, briefly, yeah. One thing that I've really liked about this is um, enemy variation. Just so many different types of enemy, so many different types of interesting boss, so many different types of the intersections and interactions like, between these. And I think that regarding that, it's it'll be really cool to see how so many bosses from the other trailers, how it is that they will also like interact with the player. Because there are other bosses in there that that existed within the trailer that obviously I didn't get to fight because again they you know they weren't in the network test I played. But I'm really excited now, just after fighting some of those bosses. The flying dragon Agil, <clears throat> that was in the that was in the game. The introduction for that, it was just beautiful. This giant dragon that you warned about by one character, the way it sort of swoops in from afar and then like breathes fire and screeches into the sky. That's just amazing. But then again, you have these other bosses that we don't even know the names of. These that giant um, that giant moose that was like lit. lit with this wonderful blue light like what is that do you know what i mean like I, w I would love to see what that was all about or this other one here that's that's named on the wiki as uh, the arch dragon with this giant red uh, lightning that it casts with these four I, wings I, and draconic frame it's just amazing yeah i i i wanted to touch on that actually <laughs> the sure, dragon go for it go for it okay okay so um, before I talked about sort of the, the idea of this game flipping the traditional idea of the um, tree of life imagery, right? But um, I, my hope is that I, I think the game will actually probably be more nuanced than that. I, I think it won't just be like, hey, you know, gotcha. We, you know, like we, we, we turned the trope on its head. I, I think um, if you go back to Norse mythology, right? Um, and, and in fact, to a lot of these ancient uh, beliefs, uh, particularly Yggdrasil, uh, in the Norse belief system, it is the holy tree. It, it represents the uh, universe. Um, 
but it's also like it's very vulnerable actually it's it's positioned as something to be uh protected right um not not unlike where we are with the environment today but this was you know thousands uh, a thousand years ago at least um you know the uh, yggdrasil is uh at least in the edas the way it's described is you know there are um elks chewing its leaves at the top and at its roots you know there's a dragon named uh, nidhog you know that is uh, eating its roots and i i think the dragon that you see in in the um in, in, in Elden Ring, maybe, you know, maybe is a reference to a Nidhogg or, I mean, maybe they just wanted to do dragon. There's uh, so much dragon imagery and lore. Uh, I'm sure Andy could expand on this, but um, uh, it is just within the context of uh, Norse mythology and that is called a Erd tree and stuff, you know, may, maybe that's a, uh, yeah, maybe that represents Nidhogg. <laughs> it could be. It very, very well could be. It's really interesting just to have a look at this too, just to, you know, see the fact that like all of these enemies, they have some kind of like grounding or basis in like some kind of mm -hmm. reality area. But on top of that, they've just made it so interesting. Like I've not seen such interesting enemies for quite some time. And like the items that they drop, the Ashes of War, which we didn't really get into that they give, they, they give these skills basically that are called Ashes of War. And those are things which you can equip to your items. So, for example, um, no, sorry, sorry, Ashes of War in Elden Ring, sorry, they, they kind of are special items so combined into weapons. So, like, they determine abilities and damage types of, of certain target weapons. So, if you're a player, you can, like, apply an Ash of War to a weapon or to a shield, and they'll, they'll modify these things called affinities, and they'll grant you, like, a new skill. So, for example, you can use an Ash of War by going to a, a Site of Grace, and then you can find on like the menu that you can have a whole bunch of other skills that will appear to you just because you want to you know add a certain ash of war to a weapon or to a shield. It'll change mm. your stats. You can also match the scaling of certain equipments to the character stats. So for example, if you wanted something I don't know like specific to your intelligence or something spe specific to strength, you can sort of like gear the weapon sort of like more so to that. It's really interesting. Yeah, really really cool. But yeah, they've got like a whole bunch of different effects and stuff. And like, yeah, I, I just love the fact that like you have this whole other area and it allows for you to sort of, you know, tweak weapons and increase your own stats and skills. So for example, there's one Ash of War which is really cool called the uh, Keen Ash of War. And that increases dexterity scaling, but decreases strength and base damage. So that was available for like swords, katanas, great swords, double-edged swords, spears, like great spears. You had the sacred um, ashes of war, which adds holy damage, but decreases physical damage and most damage negation and strength scaling. So it comes at a cost, but gives you a buff. There were a holy buff, and obviously that will also give you the uh, the the holy um, added, which will basically. Uh, if you put it on a shield, it will just allow for you to hold down L2 and then regain health and stuff, which is really cool with this beautiful, like, uh, sigil move. And then one of my other favorites was the Lightning Ash of War. So this adds lightning damage, obviously, but it decreases your base damage and strength scaling. But if you equip this to a sword, for example, you'll be able to hold down the L2 button and you can strike an enemy with lightning if they're in range. So, like, they'll give you a cool magical ability but they'll also mm. take something away. So it makes you think about how it is that you want to play on another level. It's really cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I'd like to yeah, hear more about so... um, the combat from you. Like, I've heard um, yeah. there's a, like a perfect block, kind of like in Sekiro, where you time your uh, block better to... 
So um, yeah, and then it's followed up with okay. like, is it the perfect block leads to a attack that will like do a lot of stance damage? Like, is there a stance like a stance mechanic like in Sekiro? Um, I'm also there wondering is, if um, if the perfect block with the weapon like, do you still take chip damage? Yes. Also, okay. So, okay. So, you you still you, you still take chip damage when you block emote most of the time. On perfect blocks, I don't think that you like do, but it's not um it's you don't get the attack just because you've done like a really good block or, or anything else like that. You you basically have to be careful of like your own um what's the word for it? of your own stance. You've got to be careful of um of your enemy's like health, obviously, but you've got to be careful of your own health because a lot of the time, or at least when I was playing. Like if you do get hit, sometimes it really can hurt you quite a bit, even through your shield. So you got to be very careful about that for sure. But yeah, one of the things which uh, is interesting regarding stance, as you mentioned there, is um so similar to Sekiro, basically, like during like the combat itself, you have to be careful not to get staggered. Basically, you got to be careful not to get knocked into that position where someone can just weigh in on you with a with a weapon. So you want you you want to break your enemy stance in order to make them stagger. So you can perform critical attacks after that. So for example, on bosses, uh, on Margit the Fell, for example, that boss who calls you Foul Tarnished, like I staggered him a couple of times in our fight. And then because of that, I got a big heavy stab on him and I got to kick him. And then like I did a big chunk of damage and it helped me reset the, the tone of the fight. Do you know what I mean? So performing um, successful parries, that's also something which is important. Um, it allows for you to help lower or break your enemy stance greatly. But if you fail to do that, if you fail to, if if you attempt to parry and fail, it'll cost you a lot of stance when you hit. So heavy strikes, sneak attacks, and attacking from above can also heavily lower and break your opponent's stance. So there are all these different motions and like ways of attacking that like affect the opponent's stance greatly. And you want to capitalize on that for sure. And that will also come with, excuse me, the jump attacks that you've got and the positioning that you've got with access to jumping in the level design and in the in the in the area setup. So for example, if you have an enemy that's on the ground and you're and you are sneaking up behind them, you can go for the sort of like the the jumping attack, or you can actually, you know, go up, backstab them. And then try and get up higher again, and then jumping attack them, and then stagger them again. Do you know what I mean? So there, are, there are different options now with regard to how it is you want to engage foes. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So then, just to um, answer your question just directly, perfect blocks save save your stance, and they waste the enemy stance. But if you block earlier, or block, or keep on blocking longer than necessary, you end up losing some stance whilst your enemy saves it. So stance in this game, it's like it's invisible. You can't really see it on a on a specific like bar, but you'll you'll kind of know when it is you've got the enemy in a certain position because like they'll get staggered basically. Yeah. Yeah, that's great to hear because um, that's something uh, I wanted in uh, Souls games even uh, before Sekiro, like some kind of Street Fighter three like timed parry where it's yeah. a bit better but it's not like the okay you're gonna kill the dude of uh the dark souls big parry yeah yeah definitely you won't get like you will you won't always get a maximum return on your investment you have to kind of you have to work for it like you won't just go like parry into like instant kill like every time you do it 
Like you will have to be very careful about when it is that you're doing that because the AI in this game, like I said before, is very, very good. Like enemies attack in packs, they call each other. There are multiple different enemies that will like scream or wolves that will howl or enemies that will, or for example, they have guys with like bugles and horns and other stuff like that. And like, they'll do the dun 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 when they see you and then they'll just get the whole camp on you. So you'll, so you'll, you'll have to be careful and then like try and take that guy out first. You know what I mean? So you'll, either have to fight just that like one guy or you could potentially end up fighting five six seven eight nine ten people so you've got to be very very you know cautious because you don't want to get cornered by more than four three or four enemies because you could be in serious trouble at that point yeah i i haven't played much breath of the wild uh, zelda but it does seem like a game that is uh learning from the success of breath of the wild and and then, uh, not being Nintendo, it can be on any platforms. <laughs> nah, I definitely understand. Another cool thing as well, I will, we'll, we'll close out with this, I think, but um, one of my other favorite things about the game is uh, the stealth uh, mechanics. So, for example, like, just how useful they are, just how useful it is to be able to survey a situation. And for example, you can hide in tall grass and leaves and shrubbery and foliage. So you are able to sneak around and crouch just by just by virtue of you know like blending in with your environment and being able to think about that and actually actively plan out and plot out okay i'm going to take out that guy then i'm going to wait here for a second i'm going to throw this over there then i'm going to sneak around the back and backstab someone and then i'm going to summon some spirits and then i'm going to hide hide away again and then shoot this person with a sleeping arrow Do you know what i mean like there are so many ways of like yeah. planning and plotting your attacks it gives it this tactical element especially yeah, with the ability yeah. to jump now the sleep right. effect that's um that's something new to oh, yeah. to these from software games like i saw in one of the videos you link like well he, he put that guy to sleep like you know snuck up in the tall grass well then he killed him but it's like hmm, i wonder if there's actually uh some non-killing elements of the game because uh, absolutely yeah like bloodborne there is little sekiro you you just kind of kill everyone. You don't really get a benefit from sparing lives. It's interesting that you mentioned that because, um, yeah, quite quite literally that. Like, you, you have the option if you want to spare the people that um, that you sort of, uh, I suppose, like free in a sense from like, these captors. So, for example, you don't have to kill the, uh, what do you call it? You, you don't have to kill all of the enemies that you encounter. So, for example, the, do you remember the people I was talking about with the torches earlier that had those people digging in the ground? If you kill the torch guy that's, like, overseeing four or three or four or five of those of those people who are digging, like, they, they'll stop digging and they'll put their hands in the air or, or they'll kind of run away, then fall, then oh, run away wow. a little bit. But, like, you, know, you, you don't ha yeah, you don't have to chase them. You can just let them, like, sort of, like, be free again, which is really interesting. Yeah. They, they don't always um, do that. But also, there's, a, there's an item called a Trina's Lily. Which is like exceedingly like rare to find, but like you can utilize that to help make um, a thing called a sleep pot, and like just by mm. throwing that at enemies, you'll be able to sort of like area of effect, like make a bunch of enemies sleep, and it's really it's really interesting. There's a whole mater crafting material area of the game as well. Mm. It's like it's amazing. Like you get to. You get to have all this fun with like finding items and crafting things together with this uh, crafting kit that you get. Just for example, how cool is this, right? There is um, Torrent, obviously, as we know, the uh, the steed which we were talking about. 
when torrent takes damage torrent will disappear and you'll sort of get like in essence like kicked off your kicked off the steed basically and you won't be able to get him back for a little bit so whilst he's taking damage obviously you've got the option to you know get away from what's causing you damage but how are you going to heal torrent right you want to make sure torrent's okay so you have the option and the ability to collect a bunch of these different berries that all oh, sorry they're called fruit i think roa fruit is what they're called i believe yeah i got it right yeah roa fruit and you can make these things called roa raisins and these fruit are so easily found that you can find them everywhere that they cost nothing to find you can you'll be able to literally make a 360 degree like motion in almost anywhere in the game and you'll be able to come at least one come across at least one but what it is that these dried fruit the dried fruit form of that does those row of raisins you're able to on it on horseback you feed it to your steed to restore its hp like it's great it's just the fact that like they thought about that that they were like okay cool how are we gonna you know be able to heal torrent we're not just gonna give it like a torrent potion do you know what i mean though they're gonna help tie it into the world they're gonna have these raisins that come from these berries that you can that you can make because you get a crafting kit from this character like it's all tied in so nicely and that's one of the things which i really appreciated about my time playing the fact that like they gave you the option to have options, that they gave you the the ability to, you know, if you have so many of these uh, fruit, you can even sell them back to the um to the vendor who first gave you the crafting kit. You can make some money off that. You can obviously, I think they go for like they they go for I think it was was it like ten uh runes, which is like the currency in that world. I think so. But you, I I ended, I ended up collecting a bunch of them. And selling them back and making a few hundred ruins just back just for, just by doing that for for free basically for fun free money basically and I could spend that on level up points I could spend that on on the smithing stone shards on on, on smithing which would, which I do with the smithing stone shards which would help me you know put my weapons even stronger and get plus one on those it, it was wonderful just to see all the mechanics work together so well it was great okay that's yeah. Really looking forward to yeah, trying it, it myself. When you, absolutely, I think you'll have a good time. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk about this again, like February twenty fifth. Like yeah. I, when when it comes out, I'm gonna boom, I'm gonna get it, and then yeah, yeah we'll, have, we'll have a really good time. There's a bunch of things which I didn't get to mention, but like we've 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 been speaking for a while, so I think we should wrap this up. But yeah, yeah. Uh, any anyone who anyone who's played the network test, or even anyone who's watched some videos, like they'll know that like we've missed out on talking about a lot of different things, a bunch of different bosses, crafting materials, the uh, cookbooks, uh, the con- some other consumables, some more multiplayer items, some other areas of the game. Yeah, all sorts of different things, but we'll we'll get to that when we have a, a an extended discussion in the future, I'm sure. But yeah, my my main closing thing is just be excited for this game because it is an amalgamation of their development as a studio and their ability to just you know learn from what it is that they've made thus far. And if if this is a you know what it is that they that they've made as a culmination of all of their skills and all of their abilities, I'm really excited to sort of like pick my way back through their prior games in reverse because we're not talking about all of the rest of the Soul series now. But me, just as a person who's interested in these games now, I think it'll be really fun getting to play those. Hmm. Right, definitely. Yeah, I guess we're um, wrapping things up now. Like closing statements from everyone <laughs> pretty much yeah um i'd like to say yeah you know uh covered lots of things with the lore with the gameplay uh 
you know, other games uh, that might be influencing it, like Breath of the Wild. And I think also Monster Hunter World sold very well, like 20 million copies or more. Yeah, it did great. And that's kind of open worldish, uh, plus, you know, gathering and fighting. And I do wonder if there'll be mechanics like that too, like an enemy that is roaming. Um, mm. Yeah, I I really enjoy all the uh, tree and sun and Im- imagery and gold, lots of metaphors, gold, tarnished gold, origin of the sun, roosting, you know, light roosting on trees, roots, maybe roots into the gold in the earth and maybe removing the gold from the earth is having a negative effect on everyone else too like absolutely absolutely like bloodborne and dark souls are very much about hoarding things but uh you know this one is elden ring is really uh kind of showing more of like the social structure yeah class uh, class disparity yeah yeah definitely yeah, I'm I'm genuinely excited to just tear into that and see what it is that lies underneath because from what it is that I've played and seen so far, it was really, really smooth, very, very enjoyable. I'll say as well, I played this on the PS4, like the like the release, like PS4, like the old one. And I had a great time. Barely any like stuttering, really, really smooth, beautiful visuals still. I don't have a PS5 yet, but I hope to in the future. But I would really, really like to try out on that as well because I'm sure that would be great. Even playing it on PC would be great. I've got like a, I've got a, a, a nice laptop here, so that would definitely be able to work with it. But I think that a lot of people, you'd, you'd be hard pressed to have like a bunch of complaints about what it is that we played. The only thing that people would really be upset about is just the fact that that it had to end. Unfortunately, <laughs> we had such a good time. But yeah, like I think um, if anyone wants. They should definitely check out a few different YouTubers who've spoken about these games specifically. So I'm just going to mention a couple now very quickly. Um, really, really good YouTuber, obviously. Uh, Vati Vidya. Uh, very, very well versed in terms of uh, Souls knowledge. Really great production quality on their videos. Definitely check them out. They released this one video. If you want to just Google it whilst I'm talking to queue it up. It's called A Magical First Playthrough of Elden Ring. Really, really good. It's got really brilliant uh, perspective and i just really love the way that he speaks about just elden ring and just about these games with such uh, passion and depth i just really enjoy that that's great um someone who i watched uh, play the game really really good who i became uh, introduced to uh, fighting cowboy really really interesting uh, character quite funny very, really really good to watch has some great gameplay skills and also is again quite well versed in the the world it seems and also has quite the history it seems with regard to playing these games and then of course as well um if you're a fighting game uh, player you'll probably know who maximilian dude is but for those who don't um max is somebody who streams and plays a lot of different games but has a very popular game so a very popular channel focused around fighting games but you're going to want to check out his playthrough of um, Elden Ring's uh, network test as well just because he has a very interesting way like of playing and like he spoke about all of his experiences playing like at length whilst he was playing obviously he was very vocal about it he's he's somebody who speaks a lot whilst they're playing so he's not a very quiet silent person and i think that his personality and his thoughts and feelings and views are quite interesting to hear whilst he's playing so yeah definitely check check those uh check those people out that was a uh, vati vidya uh, fighting cowboy and uh, maximilian dude yeah <laughs>
Richard, yeah. do you want to close uh, this out? Yeah, let's close it out. Oh, sorry, I was muted. Ah, I, I was actually about to ask Sean if he wanted to say anything else. Um, hmm. Yeah, oh my God, we covered a lot. But uh, yeah, Sean, do, do you oh, have anything? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to add real quick. I mean, um, I, I mean, for me, I'm very, I mean, I feel like I've always been very interested in kind of seeing how the From Software games play out. Uh, I personally, from a gameplay perspective, didn't really enjoy like the Demon Souls, Dark Souls one. Like it doesn't like it's fun to watch for me, and it's fun to watch all the detail. But like as they've done like uh, Sekiro, which I did enjoy playing, um, and as they're kind of expanding and refining their their formula, I I'm all, like so I'm <laughs> I'm I'm now kind of the this is the convergence of from software developing out a more refined set of gameplay that I'm. A little bit more interested in it and then the the theming and the lore the way they're presenting it the way that they're building it um sound like and, and i'm not even a big fan of open worlds either so i feel like from software is is uh, combining a lot of things that i ordinarily do not enjoy like playing myself i'm excited to see uh how they all come together so this will probably be one of the 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 first ones where like i'm playing it on release day whereas the other uh, Souls games. I watched a lot of people and and consumed a lot of the content from other perspectives before trying it myself. And Sekiro is the only From Software one that I've actually beaten. Uh, <laughs> Dark Souls is just I'm not as into the punishing gameplay, although I like watching people play it. So this is this is one where I'm actually pretty excited about the theming and um, I, I'm also like looking at their approach to open world design and I'm hoping that they can break the mold a little bit, like get us away from the derivative open worlds that I think have been. Like, like the point, the, the, the idea being that I think that they've created a world that is actually designed to be explored and that each piece of it is carefully placed um, versus like a lot of open worlds just kind of having a, a lot of open space to have open space, but there isn't really anything notable in between them. I think the only yeah. other open world game that I would say that has, has broken the mold in this way would have been um, Breath of the Wild, right? Where... It doesn't. It doesn't feel like they're just filling up space. So this one feels a lot to me like there's so much to discover. So I'm I'm excited to see uh, more of it. Um, but yeah, uh, I have been watching a lot of uh, fighting cowboy stuff for a long time. Is so very good YouTuber, especially if you're into Soulsborne, because he plays all of them and then he plays them on multiple difficulties. So um, you can kind of feel like you're experiencing elements uh, of all types of games. And he's also very mechanically versed in it. So I, I also feel like I've learned a lot. But yeah, no, I'm excited. Yeah, I like hey, the video. Awesome. Is, uh, when I was looking up, uh, what's the blocking like? His video came up, and one of the first things he does is, well, there's parrying, and check out this block. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed him, his streams. They were, they were really good. I, I didn't actually, uh, I'd never heard of him prior to this, but yeah, I, I subscribed afterwards because I was like, yeah. It's quite really, really quite cool. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Sarah. I'm. I'm. Um, it's. Yeah. This was really fun. I. I Such a I'm, good I'm sure we could talk for several more hours, but I uh, got to wrap things up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, I'm. I'm. I'm just as excited for the game as everyone else. Um, obviously, I love the lore. Just, just love the artistry, all the thought behind it um i think from software is just especially good at just um the thematics 
you know, like uh, it, a lot is said about their world building and the lore and stuff. But like, I, I think that the way it all comes together and and really like has meaning and just works on like so many different layers that that's what really makes um the the their their game narratives really enthralling for me um and then on top of that you know they just um i i really enjoy the gameplay and just sort of the vibe of their games and um adam you touched on this you said you're, you're actually relatively uh new to to from software games right you have played past ones but you haven't really sunk your teeth into them but um I, th- mm-hmm. I think uh, this is going to be the first you, one I want to finish. Yeah, yeah, and then I think um, you can only get to this point as a game if you've produced so many other uh, great games before it, right? I, I think that's one of the things that's really exciting about this game is um, um, they never phone it in. Like uh, all, all their games uh, tend to be re- really interesting, and um, yeah, I, I, I just think uh, even sort of you know. To, to touch on this idea of the the world tree or just trees as just the central imagery that people deeply connect to like their games have really deep roots right they, um i mean like even the souls games like they've been doing this style of game before uh demon souls like all the way back their first i think it was their first game kingsfield 1994 i think King's that was their first yeah. title yeah the, yeah the kingsfield series that... got a lot in common yeah had the Good. stamina bar expanded from it's pretty much the stamina bar in all of the uh from software games like yeah. it began with one of the very first playstation one games yep. so they've been at the vanguard of you know playstation 3d action games yeah it was a full 3D action game, first-person game for 1994. So um, they've been refining this for a really long time. Like it goes way beyond just the Souls game. And uh, yeah, really excited to see this latest. Uh, it's not just a Souls game; it's the culmination of like decades of experience. You know, so I, really, really something, excited something to, to dive into in a, a later podcast is the game director. Uh, Haritaka Miyazaki. Uh, I mean, he's been the game director for almost every From Software game. I think some people even can Uh-oh. consider like From Software games to be like a tour of his approach. And I don't know as much about him, but I know that like he's got a lot of background in like social science. And I I think he was um, for, like I think he grew up poor as well. I feel like the the class struggle themes that are in From Software's games I think are probably not an accident, but. I, I can't imagine that there isn't like a strong thread of having the same game director over like literally decades of building through games that has to really help from software continue building on all those things. Yeah. J- just real quick, um, I, I think he he I thought he joined later. I thought he joined with a later Armored Core, not yeah. Not he the, uh, did um some of the later. Did he work on Armored Core? Armored Core. Sorry, I, I was just thinking that I I know that he was the game director on basically all of the souls games um, oh yeah, yeah yeah all the souls games yes for sure did he yeah, direct on armor core as well i didn't know that yeah he joined in um 2004 and like the armored core games also are also about you know grinding your way up as a poor mercenary for mega corporations that will pay you to do dirty things um, yeah interesting I mean, we or, definitely... like, digging so much... deep into the earth and and releasing horrible monster robot AIs that will just destroy the world. So I do wonder, like, maybe, uh, yeah, his games were um, 
Armored Core Last Raven. I think that one ended with just like enemies filling the sky until your UI disappears and it just fades to darkness as you can still control your Armored Core. Wow. Yeah. 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 He's to have these really subtle but like visionary you know things in his games for a long time oh I, man sean this is a whole can of worms this is a whole other podcast now that you've opened I know. <laughs> yeah, sorry about it's that. real quick real quick Sean, Sean, Sean. You, you mentioned um yeah uh, i'm looking it up he does have a degree in social science and notably he used to be an account manager for oracle oh. for the u.s uh, corporation uh, oracle so so that's hmm. maybe that that's where a lot of his uh unrest and um <laughs> his feelings just, you know, thoughts <laughs> yeah. I, I just feel like it briefly what i like short bios i've seen of him and like reading some interviews where they're like oh this is uh miyazaki and here's what you know about him like it just feels like so much of his backgrounds and i'd be interested to learn more about um him growing up because because it seems like a lot of these themes are very deeply instilled uh in him. i mean people are a product of their you know their circumstances environments absolutely but it's more just to say that I, I think that there is something special about having a game director that is consistent over the entire series of games. And I oh, think yeah. that that there is an element of strength uh, and probably, uh, I don't know if we would be getting games this good and this refined if they'd been changing game directors. Um, so I think that like From Software has really been very consistent uh, over the years, like really like I feel like they've never really been considered a triple A developer until recently, which is kind of interesting. Um, oh yeah, they've been they've been considered double A for a while, but they they're probably one of the most influential um, in the in the industry now. I'd say they extended yeah. the '90s twenty more years. <laughs> they 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 um they kindled the uh, the flame yes. for another cycle. <laughs> Kept on kindling. Yeah. yeah. You know, Kingsfield did come out before Chrono Trigger. Like, they've been around. Oh my god, you're right. Good lord. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Let's let's wrap things up. We we could probably do like 10 podcasts on this. Okay, um, so everyone, thanks for listening. This is Art Eater Podcast number uh, 49, I think, right? I think we, we've I'll done over so. 50, like almost 60 podcasts, but for the mainline podcast, this is number 49. Really, really excited to keep this going. Um, gosh, that's, yeah, we just keep doing it. I, I never, it's when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, we got quite quite a few under our belts now. So um, yeah, everyone, thank you for listening. And if, if you want to follow along to the podcast, um, you know, uh, uh, please uh, you can follow along on Twitter. Uh, we're, we're on Twitter at Art Eater Podcast, A-R-T-E-A-T-E-R Podcast. Um, so whenever we have a new one or any updates, uh, that's the best place to go. Uh, you can also go to arteater.com, A-R-T-E-A-T-E-R.com, uh, which is, you know, the blog that uh, started all of this. Uh, we got a lot of long-form articles on there. Um, but also, you know, we, we have every podcast we've ever done has been uh, recorded on there. Um, and uh, as for me, uh richmond uh you, you can follow me on twitter as well i'm <laughs> i'm terminally online i think as as, as um i believe adam you, you put it that way before <laughs> uh like just 
Yeah, both of us are online all the time. Uh, but we have, I, I have a good time all the time. But I have a good time. time. Uh, you can follow me at Richmond Lee, uh, R I C H M O N D dash uh, underscore L L E. Um, and uh, as far as uh, other stuff I got going on, um, making a game right now called uh, Zaka Tactics. It's a it's a mecha uh, themed strategy game, really inspired by like old school uh, classic anime. And uh, just, you know, uh, uh, strategy games that I love, like Final Fantasy Tactics, Armored Core. And, of course, there's other. It's not just me. We, we have other developers bringing in their own influences onto the game. Um, but if you want to follow that, it's uh, you can uh, follow on Twitter at Zecha Tactics, Z-E-C-H-A, uh, T-A-C-T-I-C-S, Zecha Tactics. Um, so, yeah, really excited to be working on that and really, really glad to be um recording with you guys uh you know every week or every other week you know whenever we can get together it's it's a really nice nice way to um really like just consolidate my thoughts about stuff you know because i mean we'd be talking about this stuff together anyway so it's nice to actually just <laughs> sit down and re- record it for posterity and be able to go back Absolutely. and be like yeah get inspiration from it yeah you kind of get to like relive it in a sense as well i like it a lot especially when you've yeah. got the opportunity to learn and stuff because like Obviously, you all dropped lots of really cool gems, but like I really was enjoying what it is that you're all saying about like the aspects of how it is that these concepts tie into religion in different ways and stuff like that and history. It's always fun, always a pleasure. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Please let let the listeners know what uh, you guys are up to, how how they can uh, follow along. Uh, Sean, oh, yeah, I'm Sean. Um, I edit the podcast. Uh, you can follow me uh, at Daborsk, D-A-B-O-R-S-K. Um, since I lead the design teams at NZXT, I talk a lot about PC gaming, which is very relevant for <laughs> most of the things we talk about on this podcast, but um, I do talk about that a lot. Um, recently, I've been doing a lot of uh, mentoring on adplist.org. Um, things from panels as well as just like, you know, if you want, you can book um, one-on-one mentoring sessions, so... You can find me there. I, I am still kind of messing around with learning about streaming. I haven't, uh, I had, a, I've been kind of busy, so I fell off, but I will be continuing to post uh, videos for anyone that will watch to uh, my YouTube, which is uh, Divorce Plays Games. It's like literally that um, on YouTube. Uh, so I'll, I'll probably be, once uh, Elden Ring comes out, I'll be playing there. I am uh, nice. playing through. Um, uh, enslaved as well um yeah. which i i have uh recorded a lot of ones but i haven't released any so um enjoying that quite a bit and then i'm also slowly playing through all the halo games i'm probably going to start playing nice. uh, a couple of other like older games like the, not super triple a titles or ones that i've meant to play but i'm still kind of doing that as a learning experience for streaming but also uh you know just as a as a way to to play through certain games so um that's me nice awesome I'll go next. All right, so what up, everybody? It's me, Adam, again. Uh, yeah, just uh, casually doing my game and level design things. Also, pixel art and also taekwondo-fying life. Uh, I go by AJ on Twitter. You can find me over there at AJ Mattis. That's A-J-M-A-T-T-I-S. Uh, I love to share and retweet all kinds of cool art and creative projects that I see. And if anyone wants or needs any pixel art-related work or help, I'm active. So do get in touch. If you liked anything or if you like anything that I have to say, drop me a follow so you can hear some more. Or just drop me a DM too. Like, one cool thing which has happened, some people do this, and I'm like, hey, what's up? And like, hey, what's up? So yeah, I don't bite or anything. Just uh, come through. 
And uh, yeah, I'm glad that we could have this uh, conversation because I've really, really wanted to chat about Elden Ring ever since I played it. And I've really, really enjoyed what it is that I got from it. I think that the sense of community surrounding it has been amazing. Just the fact that like this was a game that people thought was never going to come out. That was a thing for a time. And then now most people are hyped for it. And I feel like I feel good about that. You know, it's just a good thing that people are excited about something that's going to bring everyone joy. So I'm happy to be able to speak about that and share, share it however I can. And I think that I think that hopefully all of us can get to, get together and play it together one day. I don't know. But yeah, I think that would be a really fun experience just to try and see if we could get something like that to occur. So who knows? But yeah, onwards to Elden Ring. We as the Tarnished should, you know, rise up against the oppressor class and continue to you know, consume all of the all, all of the all of the row of fruit that we need to, you know, get to our torrents and stuff and just, you know, have a have a good time, uh, you know, fighting the uh, fighting the bad guys. So, yeah, I'm uh, hyped to do that. Uh, had a good time with this one. Yeah, um, you know, this is Andy. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at uh, Hokuto Andy. And uh, I also made a YouTube channel where it's just mostly videos of me eating at salmon buffets. Uh, YouTube <laughs> channel is Thousand Jutsu. Uh, One thousand, you know, in number form. Jutsu with a U. Um, I'll be adding more videos. Uh, like, I have some cutting videos on there. Uh, the form isn't great, but it's just happy to uh, know this is the first Tommy that I cut. So... Um, be expanding more on that. Uh, the uh, streaming games in the future, like the uh, Deedlet and the was it Wonder Labyrinth? Thing oh yeah. And just go through lots of games and maybe have a nice camera pointed at my face as I, you know, just talk about whatever when, or maybe like the lore behind stuff as it comes up, or just how Ooh. cool things are. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, tarnished. You know, um, it's you have like you have to already be gold to become tarnished, and tarnished being tarnished just means well, you're you're gold that's doing something. You're not just locked away. That's uh, beautifully put. Yeah, very very true. Everybody yeah. has value. Never let anyone tell you that you're tarnished. You know what I'm saying? Like, know yeah. that you have something beautiful to offer to the world. And like we said before, with regard to how it is that gold is composed, everybody needs somebody. And nobody can be gold on their own. So never forget that. There you go. All right. Stay safe, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Take care, everybody. Peace.